care if you pay attention to it. I barely pay attention. I mean, I kind of have to. You barely read the show script. (laughs) (laughs) Because you barely have a show script. This is the most like comprehensive show script. Google Docs works both ways. (laughs) I know it does. But I was on a beach somewhere. Three hundred and seventy-two episodes in, and I'm gonna try to not screw this up. Welcome to Beerfield. I am your host at Beerfield Hop with two P's, as always. Joined by Beerfield Thurry, no ED. Wait, no, no, that's right. No, even if you had ED, they'd make a pill for that. Aw, ah, no ED. Um, and because I'm gonna start trying to do this so that we don't talk for ten minutes before we introduce a guest, uh, we do have a third today. Um, from the Superflex show, Superflex City, DLF Football, a longtime friend of the show, five years running, like pretty much the whole time, whole time been with us, one of the nicest guys in the industry, he's so nice, he actually apologized to Canadians once before they could apologize to him, John Hogue. It, it was actually impressive, I felt it, I was like, you didn't have to apologize to me, hey? I'm not even from Canada. Yeah, you're from Canada South. That's a joke. <laughs> Bam. Man, you already already snuck one in. Well, I know. I'm just I so excited. I mean, it's been just Hopper and I for 18 weeks. John, oh, is that right? Yeah, yeah, we didn't do any guests during in season. Yeah, I don't know why we we're already know. too busy. That's that's probably why. And, and uh, just in time to uh, to get back to it, we're gonna do a gluten free episode. I don't know if you guys remember that. I do but, remember uh, that. Yeah, I feel like it's, we have like three or four uh, people that come on that do. That's gluten free. Oh, is that okay? I don't feel yeah. so bad then. Yeah, no, don't. There's like it feels. Bad. It feels like it kind of sets the expectations for the content too. Like that's going to be gluten free and and tasteless and pointless. You know, it, well, at least you brought a gluten free beer and not like a seltzer or something. Like at least you brought an actual beer onto the show. Yeah, yeah, and it's awful. But yeah, I mean, gluten free. It's pretty bad. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> you, you've had it. I've had it. Okay. I've tried it. Yeah. I mean. I don't know that I've to, ever tried it. I've tasted yeah. it out once, like when I was still working for our liquor store here. And yeah. Yeah. And I've tried a lot of weird shit. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, you have. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's just on the road trips. <laughs> All right. Um, we got content for you today. Sorry we weren't here last week. Dan was busy on a beach somewhere where it wasn't 20 degrees out. So 80 degrees every day. No, we. I think we had two blotches of like dribbled rainfall. It was otherwise perfect weather. Yep, hate you. It was insane. Oh God, I I didn't want to leave. I was like, I'm just gonna open up a brewery here. Like, is that like cool? Well, first things <laughs> first. I know. <laughs> we got to record the show first. I know. Wait, more important things. <laughs> it's not where I was going. I was gonna say to open a brewery, you got to brew first. I know. Um, speaking of the show. We got an AFC Dynasty check-in, so uh, we're officially kicking off some of our off-season check-in content, um, do a little bit of Dynasty stuff, kind of set the stage before we get into draft content. Uh, that's John's here to talk about with us, um, and we're going to go through some coaching updates, 
news over the last two weeks. A couple things broken. We're not going to touch on everything because there would be a lot. Uh, but definitely some of the stuff that's set in stone, maybe a little fluctuate, a little um, predictions stuff. I forgot how to word there for a second. And then we'll talk playoffs, give some predictions there. So definitely some content. Just going to chat football, really. And then focus on some dynasty stuff because that's what we do here. But before we do that, we're drinking. Some of us gluten-free beer, some of us not. What's fueling beer fueled? All right, Dan, what you drinking? So I, I, I'm keeping with the full-on distill theme. I had a, I had a super long meeting today that we just, you know, drank. I like. My work meetings are great. So we're drinking a beer that we brewed specifically to send to Sweden. Um, this is our Christmas IPA. This is a basically a hazy red. This is part of our Dead Ed series. It's from the still. And this is a uh, a hazy red IPA. And it, it's Hopper knows, it's, it's, as well as our listeners who may know, huge. We're a huge red IPA fans here. So you're going to Sweden? Is where yeah. that's going? Yeah. So we we've done we've we've done contract like we've won contracts to send beer over there. Nice. We didn't get like the big grand prize one where we send a bunch, but we were able to we brewed up something special. We've done this before the style before, but this is something that we're doing. So what is the style again? Though. I wasn't listening. I know you weren't. <laughs> it's a red IPA. <laughs> a it's a hazy red IPA. Gotcha. All right. Well, I was intrigued. I was trying to find it on my can. Uh, I've got Iceland beer. So. Uh, we're getting oh. we're getting international beer field. Um, so this is from Einstock. So it's brewed in in Iceland and then imported. This is their uh, Icelandic Doppelbach. So uh, this is a 330 milliliter beer, 6.7 percent ABV. So it is higher. Um, typically, when you see ice box ice beers, um, they're they're higher ABV content. So yeah, John, what do you got? Yeah, I've got a Glutenberg Red from uh, Montreal, Canada. The one time that they owe us an apology, we're not going to get it because this stuff is awful. Like, the, <laughs> it's it's so it's uh it's water, millet, buckwheat, that's and green molasses. That's kind of like the the majority of what's in this thing, and uh, like it just tastes more and more like nail polish. The longer you let it go, so and there's I mean, nutrition okay. facts on the can. You don't normally get that, it, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This yeah. is like a this is a special moment, by the way. John, you're the second. You're this is the second beer of all time that we brought on the show that is getting mm-hmm. a negative review. Really? Yeah. This is a, this is this has only happened once before. This like that's been straight negative. Like it's been just, it's been it's, it's been like this was back. This was it like was, episode twelve. Like, yeah. It was so yeah. You remember what, what it was, right? About us. You remember what it was? Yeah, it was that. Uh, it was that toasted lager from uh, from New York, or no, not New York, from Rhode Island. I yeah, what's? Yep. I forgot what, Blue I forgot what the actual brewery Blue called. Point, I think, or something Blue like Point. that. Yeah, something like that. It, t- it was a. To- it was. It was god off. Tasted like pit sweat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, which but might it's... be worse than nail polish. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not really sure, but yeah, I think it's kind of a toss up. I mean, the thing is, like, this would be fine if you just don't stop drinking it. It's really the aftertaste is the problem. Oh, God. But, yeah, I mean, there's just not enough beer in all of Canada to 
to make this okay. Get, so. a, get some gluten-free <laughs> with that blue. They this can't is apologize a, for that one. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, this is definitely the worst thing to happen to me all day drinking <laughs> this. So um, well, I'm glad it's not us. So, you know, this right this, now or not. This Let's is see. the best. Being on the show with you guys is the best aww, thing to happen aww. to me. We're eight minutes uh, but, into the show. <laughs> but it, in all fairness, though, like this is uh, this is a little bit on you guys. I mean, I wouldn't be drinking this if I wasn't on beer fueled. So. Um, so you guys could apologize if you wanted. I, I mean, that's I, I apologize for a lot of things. I apologize. So. You do know that we expanded, <laughs> right? Like, we don't just have to do beer now. We do, like, I'm going to get oh, into, that's right. I'm gonna get uh, into this a little bit later. And Nice. Yeah, so I, I we do a lot about of other we do, we, do, we do more than just beer now. We you both guys told me that last time. Yeah, we basically started uh, getting too local. Like most of the stuff that was available nationwide, we'd hit. So we started to mix it up some. Nice. And when I work for a brewery and I get kind of lazy and I don't have a job that just I can buy and have access to like 200 breweries at any time, we get to still yeah. like and now, nine now episodes a month. Still, like I try, <laughs> if not to sell that it's bourbon. And I think I've gone through all but one bottle that I haven't opened. I'm going to start giving you beer out of my it. fridge just so we get something other than distill from you. Yeah, well, you know, I you know, I can also, you know, pick up beer from the liquor store that I'm trying to sell to. So. Well, you could, but, you know, we've seen how long it takes you to buy a new mic cable, so I can only imagine how long it's going to take you right. to the liquor store. The fact that I haven't bought a new mic, a new desktop, I'm so using gaming headphones, like, it's whatever. Anything. Anything. All right. We're professionals. We got some news. We got some coaching updates to get into. Some second interviews. So... Kind of, kind of run through these. If there's something that's a good fit or a horrible fit, feel free to call it out. Uh, Brian Dable, uh, second interviews with the Giants and the Dolphins, it looks like so far. Um, Giants just hitting out of the park here with their uh, with the GM hire and yeah, man, getting Dable. If they make that hire, that's a that's a great one. It is the I, only the only problem is in in I've kind of had this fear with a lot of the teams that have been interviewing Brian Dable, uh, you know, I, I believe he got an interview with my Denver Broncos uh, is, is that there's going to be this idea that he is going to do with, you know, your, your crappy young quarterback, the same thing that he did for Josh Allen and Daniel Jones, isn't Josh Allen. Drew no one's Josh Allen. I don't even think Josh Allen is actually Josh <laughs> Allen. Well, it's, it's so impressive. What and, and the quarterback coach there in Buffalo is who gets a lot of credit for, for Josh Allen, too. I mean, Dable's done good things with the offense, but you know, yeah. he, he alone didn't, <clears throat> excuse me, didn't fix Josh Allen. Right. Yeah. That's a he good point. a great too. way of like, you know, play calling. Like the fact that they recognize that A, they can't draft running backs, and B, that they, they don't care about the running game. Because why would you, why would you want to take the ball out of Josh Allen's hands, anyways? Like they play to the strength. It, All the guy does that. is create fucking magic. He's like, I want to give it to Devin Singletary or Zach Moss or something named Matt Breida, who's barely alive right now. Like, no, just no. Yeah. Yeah. So, I yeah, I think it'd be good for the Giants. The Giants definitely need a scheme change as I was going through them from kind of a dynasty perspective. I think a lot of their issues were, one, related to the fact that Daniel Jones was hurt for part of the year. Two, the fact that their starting quarterback is Daniel Jones. But three, just... Super low A dot um, scheme was just not designed to exploit somebody like a, a Kenny Galladay. 
Um, really, the only guy who had decent underlying metrics was Kadarius Tony. More on him next week. Uh, everybody else is kind of mediocre. You know, Galladay didn't get worse in some of the some of his you know underlying stuff than he was in Detroit. It just wasn't utilized in the same way. So just just tells you how much New York needed to change there. As for the Dolphins, um, you know that could be a more attractive landing spot i think given some of the pieces that are there um and some of the more recent success at least in comparison to the giants but you know it, it i mean i i'm surprised that some of the more hope high profile spots he's not a a finalist for and by high profile i mean like the jacksonvilles and the chicago's of the world where you do have the solid young quarterbacks in place or you, know, you mentioned denver I don't know if he got a second interview with Denver. I know that he inter- got first interviews with a lot of places. Um, but, you know, Denver, another place where there's a lot of, you know, not a quarterback, but a lot of offensive weapons. Yeah. He uh, he did not get a second interview here. They've kind of narrowed it down to three, and he's not on that list. So, which was a little surprising to me. Yeah. But, like I said, there's kind of a, a hidden uh, blessing in that whole thing because – you know, if you if you do end up with a, a you know, a, an offensive mind type of guy who comes in, um, you know, with the you know, right or wrong, getting the credit for Josh Allen's success. Yeah, there's a temptation there to stick with the young quarterback and see if, you know, if Dable can uh, if he can replicate that type of success with this. And, and I mean, it sounds like they're going to keep Daniel Jones in New York and uh, they're regardless of who they hire is kind of sounds like they're, they're going to try and do the same thing. And I just, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll never Wilson's understand it. Like I want to go to New York. Yeah. Like, well, <laughs> yeah. The, all right, buddy. Fuck you, Daniel Jones. You know, when we told you that we were going to you know, hold on to you. Yeah. I wouldn't I mind that in Seattle. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. All right. Leslie, Fla- Leslie Frazier also with the, the giants. I don't, really have a lot to say on that. I think that that would kind of, I don't know. The Giants had done some things to address defense, but, you know, you just had Joe Judge as a coach. You got to get a little more imaginative, I think, than Leslie Frazier. Hmm. Uh, Dan Quinn for the Bears and the Broncos, and he is a finalist for both jobs, I believe. Yep. And I'm kind of interested to hear how you feel about it from – you know, another fan base. I know my feelings on Dan Quinn are that, you know, he had some success with the Falcons, obviously the Super Bowl loss, and then not so much success um, down the stretch. He is a defensive-minded guy. Um, you guys just got rid of a defensive-minded head coach. We just got rid of what was supposed to be an offensive-minded head coach. Um, you know, I, I'm Dan Quinn is not my first choice. It seems like to me that he would be getting that on – you know, yeah, past success, the league's trending towards younger coaches, and it's kind of the, you know, the hot, sexy thing to do. And there has been, you know, some success with that um, across the league. So, you know, Dan Quinn's just kind of one that, for me, it feels like you're being set up for disappointment. I want to believe in it, but Dan Quinn, to me, would feel like I'm just being set up to be let down. Yeah, I kind of think so too. Uh, it, I mean, I mean, it just from from you know Denver 
uh, Denver Broncos fan base standpoint, I mean, we just not only did we just get rid of that with Vic Fangio, but, you know, before that was Vance Joseph. It was the exact same idea. These are all the very same guy, defensive minded, you know, quote unquote, leader of men, like, you know, these these strong leadership skills. Uh, But, you know, there's 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 not a whole lot. The one thing that Dan Quinn does bring to either organization, Mm -hmm. I kind of think he ends up in Chicago, by the way. But yeah, uh, you know that by by his choice, I think that Chicago is a more attractive job. And I think that that's the one that he would ultimately pick. Um, But the one thing I will say is, you know, you get head coaching experience, which, you know, it it that seems to be kind of the thing that gets missed a lot when these teams are making their their head coaching hires. You know, like you said, it's it's all about the young, you know, offensive mind. Every way, everyone, everyone wants to go find the next Sean McVay. Yep. And and then we see a lot of these guys on the sidelines having issues with some of the very basics of, you know, clock management and, and, uh, you know, play calling just kind of across the board and stuff. And it's like, they're, they're still, you know, Vic Fangio was still a great defensive mind. Matt Nagy was still a great offensive mind, but the overall leadership part, the overall, you know, management of the team it just kind of wasn't there. You you need that experience. So I, I I think that there is some some reason for optimism with Dan Quinn, but ultimately, you know I I don't well, I, 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 guess I don't know how much it is. Like, like and I wonder like yeah. it's probably going to depend on who he brings with him yeah. more so than it's him because you know like you guys said defensive minded. Like how much is he gonna? I mean he'll have his say. You know, with you know, with some of the play calling and some of the offense, you know, personnel decisions. But who it like who he decides to bring in, you know, bring in as his OC, maybe mm-hmm. just as important, especially with with Justin Fields there. Well, the other thing too is that you know, Matt Ryan, just who Quinn had in Atlanta, Justin Fields. You know, he's gonna have to bring somebody in that is more familiar with the field skill set because he's not. Yeah, he didn't work with. Matt Ryan and Justin Fields do not have the same skill set. Now, it's a, what? Yeah, no. good for you know. So I agree. It's going to be what he puts around him. The other thing I'll say about Dan Quinn is that I don't think he did a good enough job in Dallas to immediately get thrown back into the the head head coaching atmosphere. I mean, Dallas is opportunistic. They were much improved, but. It's not like this is a a lockdown defense that didn't, you know, disappoint or anything like that. I mean, it, you've got digs out there picking half of everything off. I mean, they generated turnovers, but, you know, it's not like I thought of Dallas. I'm like, ah, shit, team's not going to score anything. Yeah. It, it's it, there's kind of a the, Dallas might be the sneaky winners in the whole thing because now they have a defensive coordinator position open yeah. with good defensive pieces in place. And now all of a sudden, I mean, they they could very easily get an upgrade just with some of these coaches who are suddenly available. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You yeah. know who I would take Dan Quinn over? Jim Caldwell. I can't yes. believe. Why the fuck <laughs> yes. is he even getting – like, why? I don't want to take anything uh, away from Caldwell and – you know, what he did with the Colts and what he did with the Lions and, you know, leader of men, right? 
solid you know? coach, but I I have a hard time seeing him as the injection of of energy and fresh vision that the Bears need. I mean, Quinn's somebody that or Caldwell is somebody that you know to me would make sense for like the Raiders if they wanted to to move on or do something like that. I mean, um, you know, where you've got an established veteran nucleus and, you know, can, can build on that. Or you just need somebody to make sure that that nucleus doesn't underachieve any more than they already have. Like, that's where I think Jim Caldwell comes in. He's not somebody that moves the needle or gives a fresh injection into a franchise. I, you know, I hate to say it because I don't want to take anything away from what he's what he's done. It's either that scenario or it's something like the Texans where you have this rebuilding franchise and you need somebody to keep the team engaged and keep the team motivated and try to be like that bridge coach. You can see the thoughts on Caldwell are real strong here. <laughs> I'm not, I, I don't like Jim Caldwell. I'll be honest. Yeah. I like, I, I, I get it. Uh, again, you know, there's the, there's, there's the head coaching experience, significant amount of that, in fact, mm-hmm. but, uh, man, I, and, and it's just, it's really just kind of, it's a little bit personal <laughs> for me. I just like, I, I, it's it's like the football fan in me that like this is not going to be actual like football analysis Mm -hmm. this is just as a fan it 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 just it pissed me off when so the colts had a shot at uh and i don't even remember what year it is i want to say like 2008 something like that they had a shot at running the table um and and you know actually getting that uh that undefeated season and then uh, he benched Peyton Manning. Uh, to right. It was right and, after Dungey retired. Yeah, right. yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, which it was. And, I mean, Manning wanted to be out there. The Colts fans wanted him to be out there. They're like, you know, it would be great to have him healthy and and ready for the playoffs. But how many opportunities do you get mm-hmm. to run the table? And but he just he was not willing to do it. But then when it was time for the for the Detroit Lions to run the table in the in uh in reverse he had absolutely no problem with that he he uh he guided them to oh and 16 and uh you know the top overall pick and it's just like man this, that's just so lame i i don't know it's just it i don't know he just he takes the fun out of it and for Wasn't that i say Marinelli the and 16 coach with the lions it was it was not jim codwell uh, maybe maybe they did get a win on uh, accident. I'm gonna look that up actually because I think you're I'm right. I'm looking at it. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at Cobble's coaching experience. He was not a part of that. I know he wasn't, but Detroit. there was one where they were bad. I remember that. Yeah, yeah. they were. If if, if no, they won a game, actually, it was only one. Actually, seven and no, nine was his. He was worst eleven and five, Detroit. seven and nine, nine and seven, nine and seven. He was two and fourteen with Indy. Was where it was. That's that's that was the pain man hurt his yeah. neck here. That was yeah. the year that they had Curtis Panner starting half of their freaking games. And, yeah, uh, and a clipboard Jesus. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking of. God, clipboard Jesus. Yep. Yeah, Charlie he Whitehurst. Wouldn't yep. let Whitehurst in there. Yeah, it, it it felt like they were actively tanking to get Drew Lock or Andrew Luck. That's what it. 
they were actively tanking to get luck. And he was, so he was willing to do that. He was willing to lose as many games as it takes to get the quarterback in the draft, but he wasn't willing to go undefeated and be a part of NFL history. So, and it was just like, that is just the lamest. Yeah. Thing. It was that, 2009 like said, and the two losses were week 16, week 17. Yeah. That was yeah. Jets and Bills. Yep. Like, you know, powerhouses at that time. Yeah, totally. Who was starting quarterback <laughs> for the Bills at that point in time? Actually, now I want to know. I wonder if it was Fitzpatrick. No, I'm pretty it, sure Sanchez was the. Uh, for the Jets, it was Sanchez. It was Fitzpatrick. No, yeah, yeah. Was it? Uh, it wasn't Brett Favre. That was when he went to Minnesota. So yeah, no, that was. It was. I don't know who the quarterback uh, yeah, was with the Jets at that. It was point. Sanchez. Was I'm it, pretty sure. Was it? <laughs> um, it was Sanchez. Uh, was it Sanchez? Okay. Okay. Yep. It was Sanchez. He went for 257 and two. Thomas Jones and Sean Green were the running backs in a split back role. And Braylon Edwards and Jericho Cotri had 100 yard games. God, those are names. Braylon Edwards and Jericho Cotri. <laughs> Jesus. All right. Good rabbit hole. All right. <laughs> uh, Matt Eberfluss, Colts defensive coordinator. Again, kind of like Quinn, doesn't really move the. I don't think he was. Again, Colts, I just, they performed better than I expected them to. And Carson Wentz wasn't exactly putting up a ton of points with that offense. Jonathan Taylor carrying them on his back. Um, but so the defense certainly kept them in games. He did a good job with them. Is he ready for head coaching experience? Eh, I don't know. I look at Eberfluss and I think there could be a little bit of a Brandon Staley quality there, but. Again, it's one of those things that, that, one, the Bears seem to be the only team interested, which can't be a good sign. Yeah. Um, and I'll get more in. I mean, that could be Polian, but I'll get more into that when we get into the GM hire. Anything else on Everfluss? I hope not. Nope. Okay, great. Um, the Giants are already interviewing defensive coordinators before they have a head coach in place, which seems strange. Odd. Yeah. Maybe Poles has a really uh, good idea who he wants uh, as his DC. Poles is uh, the Bears GM. That's you mean right. Show? Just kidding. Showing. Showing. Yes. Sorry. Brand yes. new. But I mean, either or. I mean, that's that's how bad fran- franchises stay bad, and that's bad form. You don't hire the DC before you hire the head coach. And yeah. here's your staff. Work with them. That seems like a not good way to go about that. Anyway. I just found that intriguing. Byron Leftworth to the Jags. They apparently tried to lowball him, but I think this fit makes a lot of sense. Hmm. It's going to put fans back in the seats. It's you no, know, he gets to work with Lawrence. He, you know, he he trained and learned under Bruce Arians for his time in Tampa Bay and Arizona, and that's and, yeah, and that's exactly it. Arizona, He's put in so. his time as an OC. He's led some. Very, very good offenses under Bruce Arians. Um, it's time for the Arians coaching tree because Arians has been good to to have somebody else picked up. Um, you know, you go to Jacksonville, you get what they were. I think they were ultimately trying to get out of Urban Meyer, which is a coach to put asses in seats. It's not how you do it. It's not how you should do it, but it's the same philosophy. Um, and, and you know, it's a younger offensive mind that fits the mold. But unlike some of these guys, like who are getting plucked after a year. He's actually put in his dues, done the work as an OC. I think he deserves a shot. 
Um, Lawrence definitely needs somebody that can mentor him. Former quarterback, you know, you don't get much mentory for a quarterback than a former quarterback, especially backup quarterbacks, because those guys are freaking smart. And he did spend some time doing that. Um, and I, I, that's a fit that I love, and it makes too much sense for me to think Jacksonville's not going to fuck it up somehow. Yeah. Yeah. Uh oh. I don't know. <laughs> not so sold on that one. Nah, n- nothing really to add. Yeah, that's that's definitely uh, in their yeah. DNA. So I'll throw these next. I'll throw these next two out for you. Nathaniel Hackett, Broncos. Yeah, that's a uh, that's Aaron Rodgers bait. That's I think that's what that. I is. said that last. I said that two weeks yeah. ago, didn't yeah. I, Dan? That, I said that, that right? it feels yeah. so much like <laughs> you know dangling yeah. the bait. Come on, buddy. Which. Which is a, a, a horrible reason to make a hire, by the way. Oh, are yeah. you sure I mean, that that isn't Blake Bortles bait? Right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they. It might be. They just don't know it yet. <laughs> uh, I I think that it is Aaron Rodgers bait. This is. I said that two weeks ago. That they're yeah. going to bring the OC and try to lure Rodgers to want to go there, based on. The OC being the head coach, somebody who's familiar with and somebody that you can work with, because if you can't have LaFleur, what's the next best thing? Right, right. I mean, in, I I do think that Nathaniel Hackett would be a good hire. Again, I mean, you're missing the, the head coaching experience, but otherwise, I think that that would be a good hire. Sounds like he might bring, uh, what's his name, Luke uh, Gertzi? Yeah. Whatever, the uh, uh, passing game coordinator yes. might come along with him as well to become offensive coordinator. And, and that, uh, you know, you need a, an offensive mind here. It's been way too long without any kind of offensive creativity. Yeah. Uh, so you, you you need that. And I think that they bring that. The only thing is, you know, make a hire based on who you already have and who you know is going to be within your reach, not based on somebody that you might, may or may not be able to yeah. trade for. Yep. He had a top ten offense with uh with Blake Bortles. So Yeah. <laughs> yep. I'm just saying that's all you need to know about Hackett. That's all you need to know. You got you <laughs> but, got top ten out of Blake Bortles. It's a lot it, no head coaching experience, but kinda like Leftwich, right? Eight years as an OC. He's been doing it for a long time. Some good years, some bad years. It's more Rogers bait than anything. He's not blowing the pants off of anything. Um yeah. but it's it probably is more Rogers bait than anything. Uh and Kevin O'Connell. So literally the next McVay because it's the next guy that's under McVay that seems to get plucked every year. Yep. Yeah. Which defensive coordinator, if I'm not mistaken, thought it might be. I'm gonna double check that. Go ahead. Which you know again, in you know, assuming I'm right on that like the you're you're bringing passing, in another passing game coordinator i'm pretty sure and former backup quarterback okay yeah i mean if it's an offensive mind then you know i'm i'm all for it once again we're missing the head coaching experience but you know i i just don't know where you're gonna find that necessarily not in somebody you want because you know yeah. when you get if you're looking offensively, right? Because those guys aren't getting let go at this right. point in time. So you're going to have to pluck somebody new or 
you know, and when they flame out, right, they're getting like jettisoned to the pit of misery. So like yeah. the only way you're going to find that to somebody that's redone their dues under somebody after flaming out is going to be like Josh McDaniels and he's getting no love in this one or in this yeah. cycle. So and we wouldn't bring him back anyways. That was, I know. That was uh, probably the darkest two years in right. a year and a half in Broncos history. Right. And I mean, I'm just going to run through this real quick, actually. Look at the offensive coordinators that, I mean, other than that, you don't. Roman was never a head coach. Yeah, you don't have a offensive coordinator with head coaching experience anywhere. Yeah. So, at least not in the AFC. In the NFC, I think it's probably the same thing. Uh, ben McAdoo, I guess, who just got hired by the Panthers. We'll get to that in a minute. Yeah. Other than that, no. I mean, it, it's all not guys who have ever been a head coach. So they're literally getting jettisoned when they flame out. The offensive guys are. Yep. Yeah. Um. Okay. Some guys where retirement's being speculated. There are some confirms. Uh, so we'll get to Peyton here in a minute. Brandon Brooks, who's a Eagles guard, retired. Keith Butler, Steelers defensive coordinator, retired. That one's actually non negligible because of how good the Steelers defense has been. It's the only reason they were winning a lot of games because damn sure wasn't Ben. Nope. Hmm. Um, the other two speculations that you'll get every year, Gronk and Brady. Um, I think you put Rogers on this list too. I think Rogers, I think there's a shot. There, that he except there hasn't really been the smoke around Rogers. Brady's talking about, needing to show up better for his wife and his kids on podcast. And Gronk actually already said, if you put a gun to his head today and asked if he was staying or going, you'd retire again. Oh yeah. I think, hmm. I think especially if Brady goes like Gronk wouldn't have came back if Brady didn't want to. He also said there's a world where Brady retires and he keeps playing. I, I, I doubt I have a hard time seeing for. Yeah. Yeah. So are we are we just calling Roethlisberger officially retired? Yeah, Roethlisberger no. is officially retired, and I don't really need to say anything about Roethlisberger. No, fuck him. <laughs> yeah, let him go off, and we can never have to. You know, yeah, there's nothing I want to say. We'll get into Roethlisberger when we get into what the hell is Pittsburgh gonna do here in a couple weeks. <laughs> Mason Rudolph. <laughs> Oof. Oof. Gross. Jameis Winston. Maybe with New Orleans. Did Sean Payton gone? Yeah, Sean Payton is the biggest biggest one that came out, and he's envisions himself in football, but he is leaving the Saints. Saints are going to be a total dumpster fire next year, and probably for the next couple of years. Probably, yeah. I think, I, and I think you move on from Camara. Just, I think you got to pull this cord because I think Michael Thomas is also gone, and I don't think Winston comes back without Payton there. No, make him the Texans. And then uh, all of a sudden they're in play at quarterback, you know, that, yeah. that yeah. we weren't yeah. really talking too much about them being involved in the quarterback market, you know, whether it's in free agency or the draft, but I think it's there. I mean, you know, who believes in Taysom Hill other than Sean Payton? No, like, I, yeah, no and he's I already know. in his thirties. So he's like, what the fuck am I doing <laughs> out here, man? If Taysom Hill Stop was going to be a starting quarterback in the league, it would have happened. When Bree's retired, you don't bring in Jameis Winston if you believe in Taysom Hill in that regard. Yeah. 
Yeah. No, well, and, uh, and you don't give him you don't give him the contract that you gave him, which is like, yeah, you'll get some money if you actually play quarterback. But mm-hmm. I mean, you're not going to play quarterback, man. Right. The Saints, that shit like which is sucks because they they have such a good young defense, too. I mean, they, they do have some aging pieces that are aging out, but like the lose like that offense to lose Peyton and, and just to watch him kind of deteriorate with that young defense. It's like, what a, it's a wasted opportunity. Cause they stay and have a true window. Open, you could turn it around. If I, you can I mean, you gotta make the right hire. You gotta, I mean, a lot has fact, to go right. You gotta make, yeah. like you said, oh, yeah. you gotta make the right hire. The O line's fine for the most part. So you gotta make the right hire. You've got to you convince Michael Thomas to say who, who, yes, you have a fractured relationship with. Right well, but with the change in leadership, maybe that helps. I don't know what his relationship with Peyton was like. I mean, it might grow even beyond Peyton. It could. I don't know. It's also, it, it's also, you know, a lot of social media stuff and a lot of speculations. It's, it's, I guess we'll see what they do moving forward here in the next few weeks. I have it's to imagine now. It's going to be interesting to see if they go full rebuild on the offense or if they try to retool it quick through you know free agency um you know they can take her cousins if they want if michael thomas is gone juju is a free agent right i mean yeah yeah, yeah. that's the thing this is a decent year to to rebuild on the fly really yes it is it, we're we're pretty saturated at both wide receiver and and quarterback so you know there there are ways to do it for sure mm-hmm. you make some phone calls you don't I mean, we'll see what happens with Watson, but I think with the way Davis Mills played, and and I think uh, so. Here's a question I think for he, you. Yeah, what's the question with that defense? If they sign Gallup or Juju, right? Sure. Michael Thomas comes back, which you're not going to get Juju in Tom, same role. That'd be no, a giant. I thing. mean, yeah, but Gallup would be a great fit with. With let's, Michael Thomas. And then let's say that you grab another bridge quarterback. Either you bring Jameis back, you sign a guy like Mitch Trubisky, who had success with the Bears and, you know, went to the Bills to back up and came out of that system to compete in camp, right? You sign sure. a couple couple veterans to go compete in camp that, you know, have some upside and one of them hits, they're right back in it. I mean, they were in it. With Taysom Hill and Trevor Simeon. And nobody. Camara was banged yeah. up. They traded and got back Mark Ingram. I mean, they won games without Michael Thomas. And they had arguably the worst receiving core outside of Detroit. Right. Like, that that, that shit was fucking bad. And so, it, you guys might be right. I mean, it might be. They might be one away. Um, Especially with the AFC or... Uh, with the NFC South kind of in this weird position because, you know, let's say Brady retires, then what? The best quarterback in that division is Matt fucking Ryan? Yeah. And that's like, assuming that's that the Falcons hold on to Ryan. Right now. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Like, he may move on to a team like Pittsburgh. He may go to the Saints. Matt Ryan is a perfect bridge yeah. quarterback in that sense where I think you can get some one or two years left out of him. Pittsburgh. Especially if they're right offense. Yeah. So... It's it'll be interesting to see what they do. I think that's the best way to put a bow on that conversation. There's a lot of yes. option for the Saints Sorry. to retool the offense on the fly. And it's going to be one of the most interesting situations to watch in the offseason, I think. 
I agree. Um. Okay. Other speculation: Jarvis Landry out with the Browns potentially. No guaranteed money left. Do you think Landry's back with Cleveland? If you are not yeah. watching on YouTube, Dan is doing <laughs> hand gestures. <laughs> That's. I mean, I don't really care, but I mean, Cleveland's got true. so many holes in that receiving core, and a gigantic hole. I mean, we'll get to this later. Gigantic black hole quarterback. quarterback. They have a black so, hole at head coach. Like I, I fucking hate Stefanski. So really, yeah, I'm not a fan. What if Thomas leaves and Landry goes to New Orleans? Yeah, that, I mean, that, there's a lot of different ways to. Every, to do everybody's that. going to New Orleans. Yeah, <laughs> in this yeah. scenario, They're John just... Payton leaves. Everybody wants to show up. <laughs> It's just kind of the catch-all drawer. They're getting all the all the wide receivers that no one wants, quarterbacks no one wants. I mean, I think they packets. keep. Like, <laughs> I do think Cleveland's in play to try to make a a move to improve at quarterback, which means that I think they'll try to retain Landry. I mean, they like Landry there to play quarterback, or to, I mean, maybe more enticing. He can't be worse than a banged-up Baker at this point. So, I mean, you might as well bring back Odell to throw. I'm kidding. Don't bring back Odell. <laughs> I mean, I will say, like, if if you're gonna stick with Baker for another year, you better bring back Landry. Mm-hmm. Like, there's, there's, I don't just... even think Baker's gonna. He's gonna fight tooth and nail tonight. I, I, like, I think he's also done in Cleveland. I don't think he, he is. I think he'll be back. They might bring in think, somebody to I push think... him, but they're gonna let him go. Well, they're gonna franchise take him, and, and that's what I mean. I mean, Baker pushed extremely hard to get a. His contract extension. Cleveland played uh, the sole role and and wanted to see if his end of 2020 was going to be replicated going into this year. And it got off on the right start. Then he got hurt, and we saw what happened. So, yeah, yeah. But I mean, if if because if you do bring him back, it's got to be with an ultimatum. It's got to be like this is this is the time to prove. The year franchise quarterback. Like now's the time to, you know, start winning some games. Now's the time to start showing some offensive firepower. Gonna stop, You've got to stop defense. making excuses, right? Because yeah. he always, I mean, as much as I love, and Hopper knows how much I love Baker, and I'll always somewhat defend him. The dude's got to stop making excuses. That's all we fucking hear after every game that's ended. His pride right. gets in the way. And I mean, I can go on a tangent about it. We don't need to, but it's, yeah, he needs to obviously improve. And yeah. But you also need to not give him an excuse. You know, you've got to give him some offensive weapons and, you know, be able to say, all right, like this, everything is in place for you here. You know, so you've got to prove that you can actually, that you can win with this, that you can get us to the playoffs, make a run. I mean, the problem is he did that, like right? Like he got that, even with Odell's issues, he got that two years ago and they won a playoff game mm-hmm. in Pittsburgh. Like he did everything. And that's and that's why I think that's led to this kind of disconnect between him and the organization is he got him to that point and that still didn't get him in a contract extension, even after Allen got his and kind of set like where he obviously wasn't to get you know Allen money by you know by any means, but mm-hmm. I, I like there is some you know there is some rumblings that him and I mean Mitch Trubisky the took the Bears to the playoffs twice in a Matt Nagy offense, right? I mean, yeah, I mean God, that's right? not enough to get you extended when your play is inconsistent. Yeah, and, and, and you're right. Like he, it's but 
I'm just saying for that point. So Ravens fired Don Wink Martindale. Dan, any thoughts? I I they should have got they got rid of the Ron uh, coordinator. I think what Martindale even got out of that defense with how impressive. banged up they were. You're signing. I mean, you got street level secondary cashiers to play cornerback. Yeah. Losing linebackers, you're losing, you know, pass rushers, and he still got, you know, he still got good effort out of it. I think it was a Ron move. I think they're gonna regret this. Panthers hired Ben McAdoo as offensive coordinator. DJ Moore unlocked, <laughs> maybe. Yeah. I mean, he got, like he got a lot out of Odell Beckham seven when he was years ago, with, maybe. I mean, I don't know. He made he made Eli Manning a QB one for two seasons when he was the OC there. That's all I got, really. I I have a <laughs> hard yeah. I have a hard time <laughs> trying relying to make it on what okay. somebody did like forever ago. To like, it can't get worse than what DJ everything had you have fires. out there. Right now, right? From these teams yeah. that have been successful, these position coaches you can grab as quarterbacks and the best you can do is Ben McAdoo. I mean they I mean they also they keep making really poor decisions. So I mean, no really one else was sniffing this. around. <laughs> <laughs> well and also who's the quarterback? You know, like i I kinda don't care about the offensive coordinator until I know who's who's actually going out and executing these plays. Right now it's Sam Darnold. <laughs> Picking right. up the fifth-year option of Sam Darnold. Woo! Yeah. <laughs> Great move, guys. He's yeah. going to make Sam Darnold the QB one. Oh my, I mean, it can't be worse than what Manny was <laughs> when he did it with him, right? Unlock DJ Moore finally. Maybe we'll Manny make already had a Super Bowl one. when he did it with him. Yeah. Was it two? Two? I think the second yeah, one was. Yeah, because he won. McAdoo. He won. Maybe he wasn't. Maybe he wasn't there for the first one. He was there. I think he was a position coach, though. Okay. Okay. Because he was a quarterbacks coach before they bumped him up to OC. Yeah, that's why they brought him in. Well, he made Eli Manning something. Maybe he can do something <laughs> with this trash heap. He drank, He helped drag Manning to the Hall of Fame. He can probably maybe fix Darnold or they'll trade for um, for Drew Locke, and that'll. Make you very, very happy inside Hopper. Hmm. Lock needs to start for Denver. Ugh. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> I was waiting for He's it. never you're coming just, out. I need one. You're, you're just making sure I was paying attention. He's never coming out. <laughs> I'm <again>. listening. Yes. <laughs> John's no. still with us. He said Drew yeah. Lock. He, and he I responded. Will not, I will not have this positivity towards Drew Lock. It feels nice to have someone in my uh, corner on this. Um, <laughs> moving on. <laughs> Something good here. Uh, Bears hired GM Ryan Poles. Uh, so he was like VP of college scouting or something for the Chiefs. Something that they did well. Uh, offensive yeah. line background. Chiefs definitely did offensive line well. Poles, former offensive lineman. Um, and then the Bears ownership did something smart, which I've never heard of them doing in my lifetime. It's shocking to me right now. And, uh, they are not getting involved in the head coaching hire after this point. Ryan Poles gets to do second interviews, make his own head coach. I mean, you got to live and die by this hire. I think it's a great move for them. I mean, it was a great hire in general, and now you get to let him. It's the right move to let him pick, too. 
And that's why I'm not wondering if they, you know, everyone they got for a second interview right now was hired before they finalized anything, was brought in for a second interview before they finalized anything with polls. So what are we going to see in the coming days as far as second interviews go? Who does he want to talk to? Because he didn't do first interviews. So who does he yeah. want to talk to? It's going to be interesting. That's true. Yeah. And Pat Mahomes is going to get a lot of people jobs. That's kind of the that's, that's the so real, true, right? Yes. It's that's the same the, with Rodgers and Brady. Yeah, that's the real key of of a quarterback's greatness. Like, forget about championships. Just just show me the coaching tree. Show me the executive tree. It's uh, yeah, he's going to get a lot Look of people. Dable. A lot of I jobs. mean, Dable is going to get a. It's going to be a part of a head coaching job because of Josh Allen. Josh Allen in that offense too. I mean, grand. Yeah. I mean, we could say great things, but it's the same spot Willing. too. Yeah, showing just got that job with the uh, yeah. with the Giants. Yeah, they're. I mean, yeah. Yeah. There's there's going to be a lot of coordinators, and, and it's it's going to be the defensive coordinators too. I mean, you know, you've got that's the that's the whole thing. You have the great quarterback, and the entire organization looks, you know, just looks put together. Better. It looks like a it bunch of geniuses. True. Right. It's true. Rodgers has done it. Um, yeah. Now in Los Angeles, I really think it is Sean McVay because they were doing it with Jared Goff. But right, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think so too. But you know, back to Peyton Manning, for instance, he he did. Adam Gase, Adam Gase got a lot of mileage out of, out of Peyton Manning. Yeah, I can't believe, and, and he still gets some mileage. And Jake Cutler, he got mileage out of Jake Cutler. Yeah. Ah, Josh McDaniels out of Brady. Oh my God! Yeah, uh, Brady's still getting guys' jobs. John Fox oh, got shit. a lot of mileage out of Peyton Manning too. But yeah, he did. <laughs> After the fact, um, Vikings hired Kwesi Adolfo Minsa as GM. Baker Mayfield getting people hired. Baker Mayfield. <laughs> Baker I mean, he's Mayfield part of scouting, tree. and it feels like great. I mean, I've been doing a little research on him. It feels like a great hire. It feels like you know. The one thing the Browns have done well is, is kind of find their. I mean, outside of outside of Baker, I guess, is find the right pieces. Have you know developed the right players through the draft, and you know, Quisi's been a part of that um, scouting as well. And and he's kind of, I mean, the Vikings have done pretty well with finding their GM, head coaching, and everything else have come you know with it. Who knows, but. Despite Baker, pretty well with their GMs. Despite Baker, I will agree that the Browns have done pretty good in the draft the last several years. Hmm. Yeah. Finding talent, not at the quarterback position. <laughs> Everywhere else. Everywhere else besides the lead spot. It's almost like he's Spielman. All right. Oh, we'll, we'll, fuck. We'll talk about law. Just in general, thoughts on the divisional rounds. Who do you got coming out of the championship games for the Super Bowl? Rams, Rams, Chiefs. As much as I want the Bengals, I want Cincy so bad, but yeah. I'm on we it. need we I we we need Mahomes versus Stafford, Rams, Chiefs again. I uh, yeah, the Chiefs have become the villains, and it, it's not Patrick Mahomes' fault. Like I almost want to blame his brother for the fact that the Chiefs have now become villains. Nobody wants them to win. But it's also Chiefs just fans. what happens when you consistently win is you become the villain. Exactly. Yeah. But Brady also just like didn't help. Like between him and Belichick and all the controversy around these, you know, through multiple years, it's 
Mahomes is so likable and yet because the Chiefs win and he's good, it's it's well, and his oh. wife and his brother are not, but yeah, yeah, yeah. His wife, yeah, yeah. Or we, unlikable. We definitely tend to look for those things a little bit harder with the dynasties, though. So true. It's true. Yeah. No, you're right. Yeah. So yeah, they're gonna be the villain. So, um, but you know, sometimes that's a good thing. Um, yeah, unfortunately, I think that's probably the matchup, even though I'd like the exact opposite. I'd like a rematch in 1988. I think that'd be fun. I mean, I really just wanted to keep watching the Chiefs and Bills playoff game. I never wanted that. Yeah, I'm on the airplane. Just bring that back to be the Super Bowl. Like no one yeah. wants to watch any of the rest of the games. We just, we just had the greatest divisional round weekend of all time. Yep. And it, and it ended on a game where no one, like it was just. Yeah. It was perfection. How can you top that? You, you don't. And outside I mean, of the you know the playoff rules getting better, you can't top that. And I think a Rams Chiefs Super Bowl is still going to be good, right? I mean, if you ever listen to an NFL quarterback talk, if they're at NFL player talk when they're asked about you know who the who's the next best passer behind Mahomes from an arm talent perspective, Matt Stafford is the guy that is consistently mentioned. He was doing the arm angles before Mahomes was. He was doing the sidearm stuff and the no look stuff before Mahomes was. He was just doing it in Detroit, so he never got any love for it. Um, yeah, he was buried. That's why I want to see that matchup. I want to see Stafford. Just I want to see Stafford win the rain. I want to see what McVay does in the second time around. Um, you know, going back to the Super Bowl, and and we'll see if the Chiefs can build this to this dynasty. We'll see if Mahomes is going to kind of replace Brady in a sense. By the way, nothing against the Bengals. That would be fun as hell too. Oh, I'd be, I'd be. God, the Joe Burrow love would be. Good luck trying to get him in dynasty now. <laughs> yeah, it's already impossible, but yeah, add uh, Super Bowl MVP to it, man. Oh, man. It'll yeah. probably go to Jamar Chase just because, and then now good luck getting him. <laughs> it's actually going to be like Jesse Bates or something. Hey, I want to see defensive player win it, man. They get shafted so much. Jesse Bates was incredible. Beer review. Didn't mean to call this one early, but I'm almost out of beer. You're almost done, dude. No, you're good. We'll let you go. All right. Unstock's Doppelbach. Um, I mean, it's exactly what I'd expect from something called Icelandic. It's definitely uh, stronger. It has the alcohol warmth up front. It has some of the alcohol bite up front. Um, it's not harsh by any stretch of the imagination, um, but it's, it's there. And then, you know, you really get the multi caramely kind of milk chocolatey notes of a dot that you'd normally expect from a Doppelbach coming out, but the bitterness from just that's inherently there from the alcohol percentage keeps us very well balanced. I really like anything I've had from Einstock. It's the third different beer I've had from them. Um, you know, they're an import. Sometimes I shy away from those just because it seems a little gimmicky to me. I don't know why. Uh, but they do really, really good beer in different styles that you normally don't see people do, and this is no exception. What is the ABV on it? Six point seven for a Doppelbach. Okay. So I mean, right. they're no. It's about that's the, point and a half high. That's even a bit smaller. Isn't most Doppelbachs 
in the uh, 8th century. Hold on. I will tell you exactly what the style calls for. Okay. I thought, I mean, maybe 6 8 is right. I... So the Doppelbach style is, holy God, between 7 and 10%. The Eisbach style is between 9 and 14. So this is actually low. Yeah. I feel it's, I mean, it sounded. It already sounded pretty low because those ices are generally double digits, anyways. Yeah, no, seven to ten is a little low, actually. So, I mean, let me make sure I didn't read that wrong. Hold on, I could be blind too. <laughs> Maybe you're missing a a one there. No, it's six point seven, so it's a little lower, but I guess still got really good balance. So, John, you have anything you want to add to your? Uh... <laughs> yeah, I did a pretty comprehensive review earlier. You want you want you want to add to the nail polish? Yeah, it didn't get any better. Yeah, <laughs> so <laughs> it did not improve as it warmed up. Good to know. It's only uh, it's only five uh, percent APV ABV, it, which like, I mean, it tastes like straight alcohol. It tastes like first you think it's killing bacteria, and then <laughs> tastes like oh, now it's killing brain cells, and turns out it's just Killing taste buds. It's just killing everything. Yeah. It's murdering everything. It's just everything in its path. Yeah, it's just... It's a beast for sure. All right. One more time I'm drinking. The sill is uh, Christmas Red. This is a red a red IPA. So hazy IPA. So malt forward. You get a bit of the, uh, the malt bitterness from it. But because it's dry hopped, it, it kind of gives that juicy feel. This is one of my favorite styles I wish would be more commercially um, accepted. Uh, it's it's like the the redheaded steps child of the uh, you know of this part of the industry. So you won't get a chance to see it unless you live in Sweden. And when and good luck finding it then. So if you get a chance, you know, to try these these red IPAs or just really you know anything red in general, it's it's a I say go out and give it a whirl. Not you, John, because you know, obviously no gluten tolerant. You do, these are the last things you want to drink, but. <laughs> If you really want to test your system, yeah, go yeah. for it. <laughs> I mean, it can't be worse than this. Even with the gluten, I think I would still, uh, I'd still probably react better to that. You, you, you would at least enjoy it while you're hurting. <laughs> yeah, you would, you would enjoy the pain more. <laughs> well, I'm sitting on the toilet for the next five hours <laughs> you're and drinking just like, it while going. So worth it. This so feels so good. <laughs> <laughs> We're good, bud. That's good. I had to run and pee in the middle of it, and then I poured Done. a uh, Belgian strong ale. Ooh, off the keyser. So there you go. A little toasty. Okay, let's get into some dynasty check-in. So what I want to do with the dynasty check-in? Basically, player each honorable mentions. We'll throw them out there if we got them. Really wanted to bring a player each to kind of deep dive for a couple different categories across the AFC. So this is not comprehensive by any means. It's just more of a who do you want to highlight? So what we're going to talk about is a guy who we think helped their stock in the 2021 season, um, who hurt their stock in the 2021 season. We're going to try to predict somebody that might be a breakout or a bounce back candidate. who they had a bad season. We expect them more to regress to the mean or positive regression the following season or, you know, somebody that showed flashes of, okay, they're about to break out and have really their first big season. Um, and then we'll look at, um, you know, guys that, you know, we may want to trade away. So if you think 
breakout bounce back. Those are kind of guys we're targeting to buy low before that happens. Guys want to trade away. It's more of what we would term sell, but trying to get away from that terminology. Um, so, you know, who are we looking at is somebody we want to move and kind of give criteria on, you know, how do we quantify when we want to move somebody? Because I think everybody quantifies that differently. And then who are we holding on to? Um, because, you know, we just think the value is going to not really a breakout, but, you know, somebody we're not ready to give up on just yet. I you, promise I won't say Baker, John. <laughs> nice. And I did not say Drew Locke. <laughs> oh, Perfect. All right. This is the... Uh, John's I'm, like, I'm so glad I'm here now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm right at home. He's Focus like, right but everything like, else is out. good. I'm about ready to leave the chat if they say anything about fucking Baker and Drew Locke. All right, John, you're the guest. We'll go ahead and start with you. Who's a guy that you think uh, helped themselves out this season? Who really helped their dynasty stock this year? Um, you know, uh, Yeah, uh, and uh, there are kind of a lot of rookies that we could talk about. There's a ton ton of honorable mentions on I got this, one but... written down as a rookie. Yeah, uh, mine is a rookie, so. <laughs> nice. Uh, mine is, too. Uh, and I'm going to focus on uh, on this one in particular, Najee Harris, mm. um, just because uh, to me, there's there's also just kind of a there's some strategy involved. There's a learning opportunity involved. But Najee Harris jumped all the way up to running back two in both in ADP and in my own personal rankings. Uh, and the 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 bottom line, the action item here is get rookies, get running backs in the rookie draft like that's always th- yeah. that's. Even in Superflex, to me, like as much as, I mean, that's that's a, that's kind of your one opportunity to reload at quarterback. You know, you you really want to get it to a point where you've got all the quarterbacks. You don't have to use rookie picks on on quarterbacks because that's the one opportunity to get in on these running backs before their price just shoots way up. So Najee Harris. You know, as 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 hard as it would have been to make that move, you know, to draft him, even you know, first overall in a super flex uh, rookie draft in 2021. Mm-hmm. Right now, you would have gotten a massive, massive value increase, and you would have been, it, you you would have been in a much better situation at running back than most of your league. Yeah, I think the utilization for Najee Harris was was kind of the biggest selling point for me is that you know we know how Tomlin utilizes his backs he came in he stayed healthy throughout that level of utilization was super involved um in that offense and you know there's some uncertainty there in Pittsburgh with with Ben leaving um but I mean it can't close things up for him anymore right it can only open things up the volume was absolutely there that's the base you want for anything um and, and you know then you hope that you build on efficiency a bit yeah yeah and you got to think that the usage is gonna if not if i mean it could even increase yeah, with a new quarterback you know new system it, and you know it, w- when you bring in a new quarterback the running game really is kind of the training wheels so you know yeah. it, while you uh while you get them up to speed and implement that new system for them dan anything to add on Najee? No, I think it's a great call. I mean, it's John, it's John, you know, alluded to like beginning running backs in your rookie drafts is it's, it's one of the biggest uh, cheat codes. And it's really, it's really where I target to where if I want to make a run for a championship, it, it's really based around where my running back situations like. I mean, you obviously, you, 
it's very difficult to trade for running backs, especially at the higher up. And, and it, 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 it's almost better if you can't get one of the top guys, you, you just have to reload, you know, essentially. And just with mm-hmm. how people view AJ Peck for running backs and stuff like that, it, it's a very quick window for these guys. It, it's, it's Hopper and I, you know, allude to is the first rookie contract, really. It, it's where you want to hit from. And then hopefully they get that second contract. But guy like Najee, I mean, it's not even just a quarterback, right? It's Mike Tomlin. He's been proven to, be with a you know with the system that's going to utilize the running back the way that it's great for fantasy. Regardless of how he is from an efficiency standpoint, there's no other running back that's almost guaranteed more work. Yeah, and to the running back point, real quick too, you mentioned you know you get them in your drafts, and you know the other thing that we've learned over the last couple of years is you know you can target running backs mid tier or late, and you you know you can still find value in there. You can find if you grabbed a guy like Alex Madison a couple of years ago, well, he's given you a couple of good games a year. Might not be a starter, might not be a guy you're going to plug into your lineup all the time, um, but you can, you know, you have a good shot at hitting a, either a handcuff, a guy that you know has a, a solid role in an offense like Naeem Hines has flashed on again, off again. Um, you know, Ramondre Stevenson is a guy that that fits that bill. More on him a little later. Um, and then, you know, even guys like Miles Gaskin, who were seventh rounders that you picked that you potentially picked up in the fourth round of your rookie draft that, you know, are they going to sustain success? Yeah, you know, it doesn't look like it, but you still got a solid year, uh, a potential window to where you could capitalize on that value. So, I mean, we just had three huge ones. Yeah. In, in Philip Lindsay. Yeah, and uh, another one where Robinson and and then now Elijah Mitchell. So and Lindsay's one of them, also like Gaskin, where he got out at the right point in time. You know, you absolutely got pretty decent ROI on that pick. Yeah, same with Robinson too. I mean, we'll see about Elijah, but that one feels a lot more safe, I guess. Mm -hmm. Who you targeting, Dan? Who's your your guy that helped the stock the most? Jalen Waddle. Ah, you son of a. I'm sorry, but it, <laughs> I went through so many names, and and Waddle just felt like I mean you can no, maybe put I, I had Waddle down too, which means I got to go pull Me up too. my notes on my second guy because <laughs> Waddle's the guy that I had all of my notes on pulled up. Waddle there. felt like the best call for it. I mean, you know, John highlighting the ADPs. I mean, his historic as low as that. It is ADP of seventy. Still an asshole because I know, and right now he's you know. His ADP is 15th overall. I mean, it, maybe we've reached a high point, but he's with he's with the perfect quarterback. Now, who knows how long Tua is going to be there, but I feel pretty confident Tua is going to finish out his rookie contract there at, at least. So that's three more years of Waddle being paired with a quarterback that he's built, he's built chemistry with since college. Um, the target volumes here, the target shares there. While he's not competing against great target competition, Devonta Parker's had a breakout year. Mike Gusecki has, has, has commanded targets and somewhat. And we'll see what happens to Will Fuller. He'll probably take some drug again that'll help him stay He's healthy. a free agent and, again, I think. Is he a free agent? I mean, yeah. either way. But it, 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 his role is perfect for what we want from a dynasty receiver. Young, productive, and he's hyper. He's going to get hyper-targeted. What we want to see is that increase in ADOT. Yep. I would love to see him get utilized on more. But I don't think anybody here or or anyone listening would be pissed off if they got 
a more explosive, a more athletic Jarvis Landry. And that's what Waddle's role is right now with this offense. Yeah, they used him a ton a lot. He scores touchdowns. He and does. he also scores touchdowns. Six, <laughs> six touchdowns, 104 receptions. I mean, route charts showed that they did take some deep shots to him. Tua was surprisingly actually pretty accurate throwing deep. They just didn't use Waddle deep. He was 103rd in average target distance with just 10 deep targets. But rookie, top 10 in catch rate, uh, 18th in separation. Uh, very respectable drop rate, so pretty reliable. Wasn't really whole, any holes that make you think that you suspect regression. And, you know, with the low dot, 10th in Yak shows that you absolutely have some potential if that dot can increase. So I completely you know, agree with that. What you want to see out of Waddle to unlock that next level is you just want to see them use him a little bit further from the line of scrimmage and increase that a dot is that the other stuff holds steady. You've got dynasty wide receiver one on your hands. I mean, you got a guy sure. who's, I think who's already in that top 12. I do too. I mean, but... At least he's high two, not like that wide receiver two overall, but a high wide receiver two in that 13 to 15 range that if he, if that a dot increases and his role is expanded more downfield, mm-hmm. I mean, like you so, said, it's that's top five. That's he's potentially top five. Ahead top of guys like C D Lamb and T T Higgins for me right now. He uh so in terms of just you know value increase, stock up, uh Jalen Waddle was actually I almost talked about him until I uh, noticed Najee Harris, his yeah. jump. Jalen Waddle had a much bigger jump though, in terms of value. I, he was, you know, uh in August he was rookie 111, wide receiver three in the rookie class, wide receiver 32 overall, all the way up to startup pick 304, so 28th overall, mm-hmm. uh, and wide receiver eight right now. And that feels oh, yeah. a little low to me. Yeah. I, I think that a year from now we're going to be talking about him. It feels you know, just right. I mean, it may, yeah. be, it may be a little high from where I have him, but we're talking a spot or two. Yeah. Yeah. I have him ranked lower than that, but you know, in terms yeah. of yeah. in terms of value, I think that I think that the you know the consensus is going to have him in the well best within part, the wide receiver five range. Like the best part is, is is he gets lost. Like for how great he was, it feels like he's, he's lost behind. He's Jamar Chase. Like he's yeah, yeah. Like he's lost behind. Like you said, Jamar Chase. You know, yeah. like even like just beyond rookies this year, it feels like a no one cares about Miami. And the fact that you know, because he doesn't get explosive plays all the time, people just don't care about him. And, yeah. and it's it was very qui- it was a very quiet. Oh solid God, it was such a. I mean, I mean, I was a bit surprised how great it was when you look back at it. But the guys yeah. is producing, and we yeah. we're seeing the shift in what an alpha receiver is supposed to look like. That's not the same anymore, and he's it, it's mold and starting to fit that. Yep. All right, well, you made me have to pivot, so we're going to my backup here because Jalen Waddle was also my pick for this, but my honorable mention, who I'm just going to pivot to, was Hollywood Brown. Um, who is also, who would have been my second one. Yes. Yeah, so, uh, you know, as I'm looking through the AFC, it was kind of hard for me, for somebody, because there's, the AFC's ahead of the NFC as far as established talent, right? So when I'm looking for people that that help their stock, um, Marquise Brown really jumped out to me. He had a huge increase in target volume, bump up in catch rate. Air yards and yards per reception were a little bit down, but the volume was a nice, sustainable addition. It wasn't anything that you don't look at and say, well, he can't repeat that. Um, yes, it was at the sacrifice of some A dot, 
But overall, volume's king. Volume's king can everything. And his yards after the catch went up over the previous year. So more catch and run roll because, again, a dot down, 26.7 target share. It's a slight percentage uptake, but not a whole lot. That may slide back just a hair whenever they get a running game that isn't Devonta Freeman. But it's not going to, like, go into the tank entirely. He was 11th in air yards, 6th in unrealized air yards, which tells me that there's ceiling there to be had, um, which is a very welcome thing. So, you know, to know that this wasn't necessarily a ceiling yeah, definitely helps us saying, yeah, that, that rose, but could go higher. Um, 56th in our average target distance. So, um, again, that just tells me that more catch and run roll. And if you increase that a dot, there's going to be more there. Uh, you know, I think Marquise Brown took the steps that I wanted to see him take. Um, as far as being more than just somebody that you could target as a deep threat, a guy that could kind of pop is, uh, you know, a boom bust guy. He showed a lot more consistency. He showed a lot more involvement in the offense. The role did change a little bit, but I think it was for the better is some of those other metrics um, came along with it to keep him elevated. Uh, you know, he showed some ability to, to separate. And overall, I just think he's got a very, very solid ceiling that he has yet to hit. Um, you know, and you just, Hope that Lamar can t- continue to progress as a passer, um, and, and support that and continue to support that growth. It's the one thing that I worry a little bit about with uh with Baltimore is even as the receivers come along, if you look at, at Jackson, he hasn't necessarily come along with them. I mean, with at least with Jackson is when Brown was getting yes big plays. You peppered. saw the low A dot happen when. When Huntley took over, yeah, Huntley was just it was he's obviously limited with his athletic ability and limited with his arm talent. Even though Lamar still struggles, it, it, Huntley was a perfect fit for keeping the ball, you know, in front of receivers and catch a run and goal. You know, he played it, it, with more of that timing in a sense. And Brown with Andrews and, and, and you know, and with now Bateman, Lamar, I don't know if he'll ever take the next step as a passer, but. If he's being utilized as much as he is downfield, Lamar is not afraid to throw the football downfield. I mean, we saw what he did the first yeah. six, seven weeks of the season. In low A dot, he was still eighth in deep targets, so it's not like they weren't taking shots. And that was again with Lamar, who didn't play the last six games. That was that's fantastic. John can't see me eyeballing him. <laughs> I I felt it. Uh, I'm just, man, I, I go back and forth on Hollywood. I, it's, it's more just kind of speculation, I guess. I, I just wonder, I mean, I know the touchdown rate was a, was a big part of it for him at least early in the year. Um, and, and I, I just question, you know, what it's going to look like with a fully healthy Bateman going into, uh, year two, but. I don't know. It. I mean, I. It's. It. It was absolutely a stock increase. I just. I just question if it was warranted. Well, I mean, say stock increase doesn't say that he's also not a guy you can look to to move on. And the, what you just said right there, mm-hmm. the presence of Bateman and the questions I have about Lamar is the reason I had Waddle ahead of him for this. So remember, I'm only talking Brown because Dan stole Waddle from me. <laughs> 
I mean, at least at least he's got double digit targets in these games with with Lamar. Yeah, Lamar at least has. I mean, it, we can talk about him all day. There's been some improvement even this year with that improvement in the receiving core with with hopefully a healthy Bateman Brown and and Andrews. I mean, it, it's you know, good luck covering which one, right? Right. The yeah. market's better, at, you know, at his processing. It's that that offense can just well, become what what we see in, in Buffalo, and it's just good fucking luck. And as far as Andrews goes, I mean, the only note I had for Andrews, I didn't even take notes on Andrews. The only note I have on Andrews is is good at everything. So I mean, just yeah, <laughs> stay healthy. <laughs> and can Lamar actually be? I mean, he a lot of his boom games came after Lamar got hurt. Yep. That's my one concern with Andrews. All right, other side of the stand. We'll start with you this time. We'll we'll roll it back. I don't want to talk twice in a row. I was going to start with myself, but I won't talk twice in a row, so I'll start with wow. you. Wow, you've grown so much. <laughs> uh, this is the guy who's uh, the most hit. LaVisca Chenault. Mm. This one does kind of hurt. I do like Chenault, but, you know, raw talent, you know, mixture of... Real glad that I traded Brown. him to you before we got here. I mean, yeah. Thank God in a deal that I'm trying to get worse at, right? Just It just worked out that way. I mean, when you couldn't take on more, you know, even more, you know, of a pass catching role when Travis Etienne goes down, when DJ Chark goes down, when you can't beat out guys named Marvin Jones, Jamal, Jamal Agnew, Agnew, who also went down, Laquan fucking Treadwell, Jamal Agnew also went down, by the way. I know he just they all go down and so does LaVisca and he's so healthy. It's maybe it's Urban Meyer, um, maybe it's the Jacksonville offense, but. You know, two years of of meh. You know, with a guy who's supposed to, you know, he's even more raw than Cordero Patterson, and they play similar roles. You know, during their points and their, you know, during these points in their career, it, it's this this his hit from him. Strong's, you know, strong ending to his rookie season in twenty twenty has now seen his value plummeted because of it. I mean, you look at his high point in January of last year; it was ADP of sixty, and right now it's one thirteen. I mean, it, it's I think people realize it, and this is this season did not help with so many opportunities to take over and nothing. Yeah, I I, I mean, <laughs> Chenault's value was Chenault's already in the, all right, I know. no, his value was already in the toilet for me, so I can't really I can't really empathize with the downfall because I think I got off that train before you did. I understand why. I mean, it was like I, the I mean, last straw let's be for honest you. here. That yeah. when we made that trade, LaVisca Chenault wasn't uh, the highlight of that package. There, no, so. it, it was maybe there's something left. He was a throw. It was he like was not maybe the it was literally just urban. Like, yeah, the only highlight is that he still has a Trevor Lawrence as right. his quarterback. Right. I don't think it'll happen, but who the fuck knows? I've been around before. Anything on Chenault, John? Yeah, no, not really. That's a good answer. (laughs) It's the only answer. It's a deserved answer. It's a tough one for me because, you know, Colorado boy. But, yeah, yeah, it just, I, you know, you just, you just get to a point where there, there's absolutely no reason to, uh, to continue to hold on and and wait. And we're there, you know, two, two years of this, that's, that's enough of us. Uh, that's enough from him for us to acknowledge that this uh, this one's not getting off the runway. No, this right. no. He's he's going back down. Yeah. 
All right. I want a little more, we'll call it controversial and hot takey with mine. Um, but I think it is stocked down, even if it's not like far down, it's still stocked down to me. And that's AJ Brown, um, with a nod and a shout out honorable mention to DK Metcalf because those two are tied at the hip. Um, you know, coming to this season, and this is why it's stocked down for me. I think that AJ Brown, a lot of people had him in the conversation for dynasty wide receiver one, you know, right there with, with Justin Jefferson. And 2021 saw, you know, one injuries cost him games for the second straight year. You worry about that becoming a trend, but yards per reception fell from 15.4 to 13.8. Catch rate fell, um, to something, to a very mediocre 60%, which is not what you want from your one. And remember, he lost Corey Davis on the other side. Yards per target also fell. But the most concerning thing to me is that when you think of AJ Brown, um, you know, it resonates with me as Yak. He was a Yak monster. He's a guy that gets it done after the catch. And that went way, way down. Um, yards after catch per reception was cut nearly in half. Receptions per broken tackle, that, that skyrocketed, which is not a good thing, right? He went from a broken tackle every 5.4 receptions to one every 31.5. So, you know, it's not to say that everything was bad. Um, you know, there's a potential for more volume there. Um, elite traits like what we saw at AJ Brown's yak don't just disappear in somebody that young. So, you know, I don't wonder how banged up he was. We have heard of chronic knee issues with him. Uh, but, uh, it was very disappointing given that a lot of people were predicting a huge jump in a low volume offense. You know, Corey Davis is gone. Yeah, they brought in Julio Jones, but, I think a lot of people were predicting a much bigger jump for AJ Brown that that didn't happen, and some of the things that made him hyper efficient, and some of those elite traits, really disappeared this year. So you know, for me, it's stock down, and it's not like stock in the toilet. It's not Chenault, right, where you took all the value that you had and it went away. But I don't think that you're really talking AJ Brown seriously as a as a dynasty wide receiver one after the year that he just put up, like the one or a top twelve receiver. No, the one. Okay. Yeah. Would you still have him as a top five receiver? Top seven. And the only reason I say that is because I, and he may be top five by the time I work through it all. Cause as you know, I'm working through that right now. Yeah. Um, yeah. but you know, off the top of my head, um, you know, Jefferson and Chase obviously would be ahead of him. Uh, and then I don't know if Waddle would be just because I need to see a little more than that. Um, Lamb. Lam- that's been I mean that's Lam- been that's been my I'm tear little, break. I'm a little lo- I'm a little lower on Lamb than I should be. So I mean he could be top five. He's gonna be in the five to seven range, but you know, that's a tear break, right? That's from top tier down a tier. So I wanted to take a little bit more higher degree of difficulty on this one. I mean it, it, it's all for it. It was just like I was like, okay. I see where you go. I mean I I mean you're right though. A lot of people had Brown as a as a dino one after the twenty twenty season and yeah. I mean, not much changes that that offense is, you know. Would you guys rather have Brown or Metcalf? At this Brown. Point? Yeah. yeah and, Brown. and and I think that it seems like drafters see it the same way. Like Metcalf actually had a much bigger drop in ADP. He's down to wide receiver nine. He's disrespected, to, which is funny because he's still yeah. a yeah. top ten receiver in Dynasty, and yet, I yeah. mean, what? It's, it, it's, it, 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 it's you know, all the concerns right now out in Seattle, too. 
I won't yeah. do it because we just talked about it. But next week when we do NFC, Metcalf would have absolutely been a guy I was looking at for the yeah. same reasons. But so. it, it, I mean, it's it, I'm so I I may even go out there and start throwing trade offers if Metcalf's being that being that undervalued. Wolfly well, it's the same yeah. thing with Brown, right? If anybody like if it's my narrative won't catch fire, nothing to pay attention to us. Somebody that matters has that narrative that catches fire, though. You know, it, it's the same thing where I can kick tires because, like I said, it's stocked down, but kind of in the opposite way of what, you know, stock up doesn't mean. Yeah, stock down doesn't mean that you're not trying to potentially go out and trade for, right? I mean, mm -hmm. it's a guy, it, it's somebody you could target because elite trades don't just disappear. But, yeah. you and know. Brown, and Brown didn't have that. If Brown didn't have a great stat line against Cincinnati, he'd be even better. I mean, yeah. playoff games will will easily inflate value. Looking at you, Gabe Davis. I'm just that it, it's going off the top of my head. Jason Jefferson would be. They're in a tier of their own. I don't know. in a tier of their the own. They would be up there. I think that I've got you know Godwin and Waddle would be. Somewhere at least close. I don't like Deontay Johnson that much. C.D. Lamb no. had some things with his profile, along with T. Higgins, that I don't necessarily super love. Um, it's just, it's just after seen. that Jefferson, so it, it it gets pretty murky, here. and you can it's throw very, him in any it's order. Super wide open. It yeah. feels very wide open. Yeah. All right, John. Who was your? Yeah. Who was your, your guy? I I had so many that I could talk about. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even. You can um, say Baker if you want. It's okay. Uh, Okay, I'm gonna do it. That that was the guy I picked. I almost I, was, I, I I had picked Baker for the longest time. I'm like, I can't do just a quarterback. It's <laughs> that one's too fucking obvious. That's probably I, why. I know it is. But he, <laughs> the problem is like his ADP dropped from quarterback eighteen to quarterback twenty five. He's going behind Davis Mills at this point. My God, that's like, so it's that's just so bad. The hate's so real for him. Yeah. And it's very justifiable, but I always buy it him because he's so too fucking far, right? cheap, dude. It's I like know. it's like Josh Allen, Daniel Jones in their rookie draft, cheap. Like it's what are we doing? Yeah. He's still a starting quarterback. Yeah, I and that's that's kind of why I bring him up. I mean, I I have completely lost faith at this point beyond the fact that he's going to be a starting quarterback for at least a season. Which I mean, that's more than we can say for Davis Mills. Like Davis Mills could start in Houston, but it's far from a slam dunk. So, you know, and, and to me in Superflex, when it comes to quarterbacks, the bottom line is how secure is your job? Do you have a job? Start with that. Do you have a job? All right, then you've got some value to me. How secure is that job? I mean, if you're going to give me at least a full season, then, you know, that's, that's pretty easily top, you know, he, Still belongs in that quarterback eighteen range, I would think. I I can't give you a list of eighteen quarterbacks that I feel like are going to be safe he's NFL starters up in twenty twenty two. He's clumped up with guys like Goff. He's clumped up with Tannehill. It, it's yeah. just I I do think that Baker needs to change the scenery. I I really do. I think his 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 career could go the same way of Jameis, where yeah. I mean, he doesn't have the turnover, but he, he, he like the massive turnover issue, but he, you know, over, you know, used to be first overall pick, didn't work out with the original team. And now he has to, you know, 
sit on somewhere and we'll see what happens. And Jameis is finding himself valuable for a few years after that his time was done in Tampa Bay. I think Baker's yeah. on that potentially on that path. There's a little extra weight on the shoulder of the the Cleveland Browns starting quarterback. And it's going to be that way for a while. It's going to take it's going to take something extra special <laughs> to It's going to take them not to stick cuz no, I'm passing on the Sean Watson and yeah. Patrick. No, I'm kidding, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I mean just the guys that they've missed on, you know, over the Obviously, years. Yeah. So it, it you know, with Couch and Quinn and yeah, it just it it's kind of to a point where I, I think that Manzel, you know, yeah, yeah, Manzel, of that course. Was so yeah. obvious. So my God. Kaiser even. Yeah. Kaiser. It's just ah, Kaiser. There you go, Dan. There's a throwback Kaiser. for you. Deshaun Kaiser. <laughs> Kaiser. Yeah. I was so bad that I'm not much better. That was uh, Dan's QB1 in 2017. Three weeks into scouting. God damn it. At least I had Mahomes (laughs) as my number two. (laughs) That's all I could say. I got got something kind of (laughs) right. I think I was Krabisky Mahomes. I do just kind of wonder how much of it with with these Browns quarterbacks is they just kind of get buried under under the pressure, you know? So. I think Baker may. I mean, it's it's funny because you can kind of go on the opposite end. The Browns finally have stability at the quarterback position with mm. Baker potentially, and the Browns haven't had that since they've been back into the NFL. So I'm mm-hmm. wondering if there's if there's some pressure from Cleveland to want to give Baker a bridge deal, way that Jacksonville gave theirs to you no know, to Bortles. Hmm. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Yep. All right. I went with another. Well, this one isn't controversial once I explain why I do this. So next category is trade away. And everybody kind of has defined different. Breakout. What's that? Are we skipping breakout? Or are you just no, I've got them in a different order on the sheet I'm looking at. So I'm doing whatever oh. the hell I want. I'm looking at my note sheet. They're not in the same order as they are on the show script. I'm doing what Mother... I want. Motherfucker. <laughs> so. My trade away guy, um, and I define this differently, right? This is what we call sell. There's a lot of people that believe that you sell guys at, at peak value, and I don't subscribe to that because if you're constantly turning guys at peak value, you're never going to have sustained success. Nope. I subscribe to the fact that success with most players is a bell curve, and you're going to come up, and then you're going to come down and start to come down. And where I want to catch my sell window is on the top end of the downside of that bell curve. And it's not an exact science. Obviously, it's hard to predict regression sometimes. Um, But that's kind of where I want to catch it. I don't want to catch it on the upswing. I don't want to catch it at the peak, especially if that peak is going to sustain for a couple of years. I want to catch it as you start to go towards the downside. So keep that in mind. I'm okay with with trading a player that might be very solid for another year or two after I trade him because of the value that I'm going to get back. I don't want to trade a guy that has good value for four, five, six years because I think he might have peaked. That's just bad. Yeah. Yep. So all of that in mind, the guy that I'm looking to trade away potentially this offseason is Stefan Diggs. Ooh. Hmm. I like, I mean, and I like it. 
So just some things that, that I noticed. Receptions dropped tremendously year over year. Um, and all of their metrics were pretty close to the same. But you had a little bit of a reduction in target quality from from Josh Allen. Um, you know, so that tells me that you may have already peaked in that relationship, right? Because Josh Allen had an insane year, which Diggs benefited from. There's a bit of regression there. Slightly down in yards per target. He was still second in air yards, but 38th in average target distance. So maybe a little bit of a role change. What really stuck out to me, though, for a guy that's a, a big route runner and who had previously been really good in the contested catch zone, 72nd in separation, 44th in contested catch. That's down from 17th the year before. When you can't separate and you don't win contested balls, that's not necessarily a recipe for for good things. And he also went from 11th in the league in yak in to 38th. So it's not that Diggs has this huge downward trend for me. It's not that I look at his profile and say, oh, he's going to be a total bust next year. It's that I see some things in that profile that are starting to become a little bit concerning to me to where it's like, all right, you know, if I want to get max value out of this, you know, not maybe not peak value, but I want to get my max value out of this before there starts to be more of a regression. This is the time that I need to start thinking about it. This is another higher degree of difficulty um, type of narrative. But at 28 years old, as you're coming out of that wide receiver peak with some concerning things in the profile, yeah, this is where I'm going to start looking very closely and thinking about you know, potentially trading away digs, especially with the saturation in the wide receiver market, the infusion of young talent, and again, what figures to be another relatively deep receiver class coming in, even though there isn't a consensus top end. It's just a really good top end. <laughs> that's Yeah, that's what it feels like. I don't hate the call. I mean, generally, when a wide receiver has reached that peak, and if 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 Diggs is calling card, which is you know route running and, and being able to win in both man man and zone coverage, I'll wait for uh, for Matt Harmon's reception perception to kind of see where he tracks it. Maybe there's yeah just overall regression in the offense. You know, Diggs' touchdown rate I think went down. It did. It, it took a long time for him to start scoring touchdowns in that offense. And maybe it was Buffalo giving more veteran love to Emmanuel Sanders for some fucking reason. So I don't, I don't dislike it. I mean, you should always be looking at when, I mean, it's tough because when you get into into that age spot, it's, it, it it starts to, you have to start to look at it. Okay. What does my roster look like now? What is my roster going to look like in a couple of years? And it's a guy like Diggs who, who's Mm -hmm. closing to 30. Is he going to be able to be, a staple on my team and is it that time now to try to capitalize on the assets I can get in return to better out my trade currency so I can you know bolster my roster and also gain depth so yeah it's a good call out I mean it's a, it's the same thing that people have been battling with with like guys like Devonte Adams yeah with Hopkins Julio well before that and the thing and I'll take running on. backs like you know like Derrick Henry now yeah and the thing I'll tack on to what you said there, right? If you're at a dynasty league that's been going for more than a couple of years, you have likely drafted somebody that, you know, potentially is at a digs level or might be standing to surpass it that also might make him expendable within your roster. I'm not saying it, that, 
you, if you're not competing, yeah. If you don't feel like you're going to be competitive, I mean, it's, it or, it never hurts. Or even if you are, but you have a surplus way. at wide receiver. I mean, yeah, if you're just looking to have an upgrade at a position that you know, if you can, you know, bolster your running back, right? What's the one thing that you know? That's the one position that kills a championship run outside of quarterback and superflex. It's a running back position. It can completely decimate your championship run. Yeah, John, what's your thoughts on on that Diggs take, and who's your trade away? I kind of like that one, by the way. It, it. I mean, you're about to lose your offensive coordinator there as well. Yeah, scheme oh, scheme change right? is going to make some. Uh, God, if Josh Allen tanks, just. <laughs> Just imagine Twitter if Josh kind of regresses to <laughs> something between 2019 and 2021. Yeah. I oh, know. God. The I world mean, will burn. back-to-back quarterback one overall seasons, I I mean, the the bar is just set a little bit too high anyways. But, yeah, there's uh, like he's, he's not going to do that again. And there's some very obvious reasons for it. And, uh, you know, if assuming that is the case Stefan Diggs is one of the guys that gets hit uh Gabriel Davis also not going to get quite the breakout that people are expecting uh kind of for the same reasons but yeah my only problem with Diggs is uh probably last year would have been the time to really do it when his when he was kind of a top three dynasty wide receiver for a lot of people um and now now he's at wide receiver nine. So, yeah. you know, it's well, or wide receiver as, 11. But so. that fits as Hopper it, alluded to, he is actually is on. He's still in the upper echelon, but he's, he's, he is. Yeah, and, and that's exactly and that plays into exactly how I said I target when I'm trying to trade guys away. Right. The upper yeah. echelon is going to happen. I want to ride the upper echelon. I want to get them when that dip first starts and then let somebody else deal with the rest of the dip. So I yeah. might not be getting max value. You're absolutely right. Last year is the time to do it if you're trying to maximize your value. Right. I'm okay with getting maybe a tier below max value, knowing that I got that player's best years. Yeah. 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 So uh, while I agree on, uh, you know, not trading away max production, um, you know, just because, you know, it's it's not necessarily, you know, quote unquote sustainable, like that's a bad reason to sell. Uh, I do like to sell kind of at max value when it's just like, you know, beyond what's, what's realistic for that particular player. And folks, uh, this who, is how you have a difference in philosophies and discuss it respectfully because not everybody plays the same and it doesn't we mean can one's do right that or wrong. Here? Is Whoa. that okay? Yeah. That's crazy. Fuck, right? man. I've been doing it all wrong. <laughs> then. I'm kidding. Let's see how respectful you guys. Uh, oh God. What are you going <laughs> to say? Are you saying Patrick Mahomes? Not I'm Patrick kidding. Mahomes. Josh uh, Allen? Not quite. No. Ooh. Uh, in, in, in the same, uh, it's a different position, but the same range in, uh, in startup drafts, I'm trading away Jamar chase right now. Oh yeah. I'm I'm trading away Jamar chase because the value is balls. (laughs) (laughs) The the balls on this guy. This is the exact opposite way of the way I went, but I think I get this Ah, argument, which is that John, man, go ahead and, uh, (laughs) yeah, he's playing recency bias here and I love it. I love it. Just all the fire, buddy. (laughs) Yeah. Well, in, in there, you know, the recency bias is a big part of it right now. He's going in the, you know, in the first round of startup drafts, you could really kind of say the same thing about Justin Jefferson, but I think that you're going to get a greater return even for Jamar chase right now. 
And it, I mean, he's going ahead of of most, if not all, of these running backs. He might even be going. I think ahead Jonathan of, Taylor is the only one he's not ahead, right? Though I think it shits him that he's not ahead. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Uh, yeah, Taylor's still ahead of him, but you know, he's he's going ahead of in super flex drafts. He's going ahead of uh, several quarterbacks, most of the running backs, um, it, and it just. The the big thing is wide receiver is such a replaceable position. The fact that you can get Jalen Waddle, who we talked about earlier, with a pretty big plus, a pretty big kicker for Jamar Chase. And how often is Jamar Chase actually going to outscore Jalen Waddle by another player? Like the one time that he catches, he goes, what was it, 264 and three touchdowns or whatever? Yeah. In, in your fantasy championship, that was awesome you're not going to get that again from him. And that's the only time that he returns so much production over replacement that it's actually worth it to give a, you know, to give away any other player with that much, uh, that much sweetener uh, to get Jamar chase. Like that's the only time that he's that much better than any other wide receiver was that the one time that he had just the all time outlier week. That's not going to happen again. You're easily going to make up the difference between Jamar Chase and Jalen Waddle, Stephon Diggs, DK Metcalf. You're going to make up the difference in whatever it is you're getting along with that wide receiver for Jamar Chase. I wonder if you could trade Jamar Chase and what you can get on top of Justin Jefferson. I feel like you could get, you can find, I mean, Hopper and I know we were at first hand the yeah. most insane. Jamar Chase, I trade really just trade in general that I've seen. So oh, in our God. league. Yeah. Paid, it was five paid, first. Paid I'm pretty five sure. First, because I mean, we all think it's because he doesn't really know how to draft well. He's not he doesn't a, trust himself to draft. Court, he doesn't trust himself in the draft. Yeah. But I mean, he's he's shown before that he's a very aggressive trader, which I'm all good with. Like, you know, do you boo? Jeremo, Jeremo. Yeah, the the fact that five first, six first for yeah. I mean, granted, you're getting top three wide receiver in dynasty. That it's hard to see that change unless Cincinnati decides to go really balanced. But well, Cincinnati is really balanced, though, right? I mean, Joe or uh, Mixon had 300 plus touches. It's just they ran a ton of plays. They just so, and, that, and that's yeah. what we want. It's just how even how is that sustainable? Yeah, well, it, Tyler Boyd isn't long for that offense. Well, that too, and, and, and then if the defense improves, you know, defense improves yeah. that that may you know slow down pace of play. And the other, I agree with this take though that you're going to get more out of Chase than Justin Jefferson. It's not necessarily because they have Chase ahead of Jefferson. It's just old and busted, new hotness. Old and busted mm. though, because recency bias in this industry. It's only a year ago, but. <laughs> New hotness. I mean, he broke his record, but it took an extra game to get there. Yeah, no, actually, I don't. I don't think it did. I think he broke it. You no, know, prior to that, but still, yeah. well, either way. And I mean, there's still call. there's still an argument for Chase in that he's tied to a you know a young quarterback who he's got familiarity with. Who's also incredible, by the way. Yeah, which you know Jefferson, we have no idea who's who the quarterback is. Kellen Mond in two years. God, please don't. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna get a guy that could be the next Josh Allen. I actually like Kellen Mond, but I don't. <laughs> I don't like Kellen Mond. I well, but I like yeah, Kellen yeah. Mond uh, conditionally. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It just feels like a roster is probably not, not built for a, for a, you know, a, a rebuild type of quarterback, but I don't know. Anyways, yeah. it, like, so I'm, I'm not questioning what Jamar Chase is going to do going forward. Uh, I think that he absolutely belongs in the top two, you know, for dynasty wide receivers. I think he's going to continue to perform that way. I just think it's, it's people don't realize how easy it is to replace that court, that wide receiver scoring. I'll say this, the best, if you're not the best way to kind of get better at dynasty throw, put Jamar chase. Let's see. You have Jamar chase. In your roster, just put him on the trade block. Yeah. Just see what like it. it First off, it's it's always smart to know what your league mates value your players at. That's the best way to find value pocket. Like the best way to get an idea of what you can get for a player, and it could it, it could change everything. Like the guy that traded away Jamar Chase in this league, he 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 didn't want to. He fought tooth and nail, but at some point, you know, value is value. And granted, yeah. his roster was a bit struggling, and the fact that now he can rebuild his roster with five extra first round picks, also great. That's so much currency to have and to be able to move around the roster and stuff like that. It's you gotta you gotta know what the league also views your player, and that's the best example for it. Yep. If I was gonna be on for the NFC, I I would have talked about Cooper Cup though. He's way more of a of a trade away he than is, uh, he is, yeah. Jamar Chase is to me. But I still don't think you can get as much as Jamar Chase. <laughs> no, no, no. I think you may even be able to get. I think you could almost get close to Justin Jefferson for Cooper Cup. You get, you can get pretty, pretty close in value. I think maybe not his peak, but I think you can get pretty close in trade value for Cup. Yeah, in comparison to it's, Jefferson, it's definitely possible. I think. Uh, I mean, he's going his Cup's going his wide receiver six. That's like C.D. Lamb territory, Tyreek Hill territory. So, you know, there's. It, yeah, it's 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 definitely not quite the return as those younger guys, but uh, he's also far less likely to replicate what he just did than Jamar Chase is. I just, I just I'm so excited with having Cup in that role. Yeah, with Stafford. I mean, to see what he did with you know with Golden Tate in yep. Detroit. Just, but you're right though. He's not gonna you know put up Michael Thomas type of numbers again. Yeah. All right, I'll do mine, and we can move on. Another Bills player. Stop Gabe Davis. I was very close to putting it, but I think that's too obvious. I think at this point, everyone wants to talk about Gabe Davis. I've seen they do after arguments this on Twitter. It's insane. I put Devin Singletary down. Hmm. And you're basically capitalizing the fact that people view this Buffalo backfield you know, you know, as a gold mine. Devin Singletary is not a good running back. He's not athletic. He's small. He can't catch the football. Thankfully, he's getting targeted. That's the only saving grace to it. And the backfield's bad. So he's winning out competitions, but he lost opportunity and snaps both Zach Moss and Matt Breida this year. Both running backs that we all can claim aren't very good. Singletary is being propped up by playing on the best offensive football. He's got the best game script for playerprofile.com, the best game script out of any running back in the league. He's seeing a light base front 70% of the time. He has to basically make one linebacker miss to hit his big hole. That's great. We want to see that. Why do we want to trade and propped up bad players, though? This is at the running back position. Wide receiver, longer retained value. 
You get a guy like Singletary who could easily be replaced. And, and it, it doesn't have to be a high draft pick. It doesn't have to be a high name in free agency. I hope that he, quote unquote, survives that. That could drive up that value. Because all it takes is a last second addition to this roster in August. He is the new Ronald Jones. He's being propped up off of a nice finish to a year in which he battled with replacement level running backs through the middle and early part of the season. And then all it takes is just one move. And Buffalo thankfully doesn't know that they're running or thankfully know that they're running back suck. They don't need to run the football a lot. It's just, it, it all, it all is beautifully manifesting to the fact that Singletary is in my mind, it's becoming the next Ronald Jones, which is in a, which is a, not a good running back that's being propped up in value by a good offense. And then I think what caps it all off is that he had five goal line carries this season. So he doesn't even have the touch on upside. All that's being based off of, you know, explosive plays. And it's hard to bank on those. So if you can get a good return in, and, and, and that's where that, that value is going to now be lied in. It's how do your league mates value Devin Singletary? But I, I'm going to, you know, capitalize off of the strong finish of the year in the strong postseason and try to move off of him before the Valley comes out under him when Buffalo inevitably brings in another running back to, uh, to compete in this backfield. So wait, who is your trade-off? Sorry. <laughs> I wasn't paying attention to you. I know you weren't. <laughs> That's awesome. I was trying to Devin sell bourbon. <laughs> Even Devin better. Singletary. Oh, it, it's also great. one of the few positions that really needs to be addressed by Buffalo at this point. So. And why? But fantastic. Again, why would you too? What a great bridge. <laughs> so I'm going to talk my hold now. Your hold, okay. Ladies and gentlemen, if this could be your point, yeah, this is perfect. Uh, uh, no, this is this is perfect because you've heard me do this before and take the same stuff to twist it into a different opinion on a player. <laughs> and this is a microcosm. What's about to happen on the show is a microcosm on what happens on Twitter every day and with everybody else. It, you can take much. whatever numbers you want and paint whatever narrative you want. And to get somebody to believe it is all about the sell job you do. Numbers don't lie, but how you frame the numbers will tell you a lot. I love, I love this. This is my favorite game. So this is a fun game, right? So my hold is Devin Singletary, and the reason isn't because I don't think Buffalo is going to eventually try to address this, right? The reason is that I think you just might, at the beginning of the season, get a little bit more peek out of what Devin Singletary ah, is. Ah, I love it. So It's the delayed sell. It's the delayed sell is what it is, and that, uh, that is exactly <laughs> is why, what it is. This is why I love you. This is like Darrell so Henderson all over it, again. As you get to the end of the season, Devil Sing Devin Singletary. <laughs> Devil Singletary. Devil, no, Sarah. Devil Singletary. <laughs> Devin yeah. Singletary took over in that back. I don't think there's any debating that. Nope. Matt Breida disappeared. Zach Moss disappeared. That was Devin Singletary's backfield. He had a 70-plus sap percentage over the last four weeks, including three weeks over 80%, was used in the playoffs. His rush attempts increased. He maintained a 4.5-plus yards per attempt, 13.6 touches per game. Not, you don't love it. That's good enough to be RB2, an RB2 in today's NFL. He was seventh in routes run, so primary receiving back and a high-volume passing offense. Um, 
Fifth and breakaway run, seventh and breakaway run rate. So you had some explosiveness there. Uh, that was while being 23rd in the league in carries. So the percentage there, breakaway run rate, top 10, is what really stands out because you're 23rd in the league in carries, but you're fifth in breakaway runs. You are chunking some plays off there, and that is helped a lot by Josh Allen and opening up the field. Um, other than that, 13th in evaded tackles, 15th in juke rate. Those are all pluses showing that he's creating a little bit from himself. He did see a lot of light fronts, fourth most in the league. That's going to happen as long as the Bills are slinging the football all, all over the field. And the reason that I say this is a hold is because Devin Singletary didn't take hold on that backfield until the very, very end of the season, where there's already a negative sucks. perception of the Bills' backfield, and a lot of people <laughs> aren't paying attention at that point because they're eliminated, they're not in, they're not in their playoffs. I mean, anybody, John, you probably see this too, anybody with a podcast that pays attention to numbers know that the further you get into the season, the more people stop paying attention. You oh, ramp yeah. up before the season, everybody's excited for it, you get into the season, and you start to trend down because nobody's watching. <laughs> nobody's paying any freaking attention. It's all because all the casuals are done. So the last four weeks, Devin Singletary breaking out, or starting to break out, not all people can be on that one. So you hold it, and again, uh, this is perspective as of today. Talk to me after the draft. It might change if they do something I think here. he's going to survive. I don't I think, think he Buffalo's going to draft. Cause they, I think they haven't. Like they, it's, been a, pick. it's been a need for the last several years. I don't think they, they draft s- somebody either. So, they spent two third-round picks in the last three years on running backs. He's on the last year of his contract, though, too. So yep. what it is is you let him go into next year. You let that trend continue into next year. And then he's a guy you let go of at peak value because he's not somebody I look at and say, oh, yeah, he's going to sustain that through his first contract. He doesn't have the history of productivity to do that. And, you know, Buffalo's already showing us that they don't really care about the running back position. So, I mean, maybe he gets like a two- or three-year deal, cheap contract. Sure. My honorable mentions there, by the way. I love that. That's great. I've got another. I've got an honorable mention there, by the way, of Dawson Knox, and then a, a shout out to Damian Harris and Ramondre Stevenson, the two Patriots backs. So, anyway, uh, whichever you want to, whichever one of you wants to go next, John, you can give your. What are uh, your, a, your what are your thoughts on Singletary? And then you can then give your uh, your hold. your hold candidate. Man, that's tough. Yeah. I... I guess he's more of a hold for me. Uh, Ooh, just boom. I Sell job. <laughs> <laughs> you both weren't even listening to my quote unquote pitch. I'm terrible <laughs> at pitches. I I listened. I just, uh, well, I, I think Hopper makes a, a, a very compelling case. Um, I also just don't know what you're necessarily going to get for Devin Singletary at this point. I mean, you I can use it as a trade up. Like the way that I view Gabe Davis in the same way is that. You use this this great momentum that they're on, and one for one moves probably isn't the right call, like you said. I think name value isn't there, but you you use that as a prop piece along with like a first overall and try to move into another player, whether that be I don't know Swift, which would be yeah. hard to do, but you know, guys like you you're you're, you're trying to improve the stability of your roster. By yeah. moving a piece like Singletary, who's not very stable after this year, and even more so this, I mean, and then this year as well. Yeah, which is is it's going to be a little tougher this year than most. Uh, for the last several seasons, I've been talking a lot on the Superflex Super Show about 
the running back saturation point. And we got to that, we got to an oversaturation point where it felt like there wasn't really room for the incoming rookie class because every every NFL team seemed to be pretty set at running back. And now we're back on the downslope to a point where it's really hard to find and it's really hard to identify the running backs with NFL starting jobs that you're going to feel good about going into 2022, you know, and, and for me, a, a big part of it is getting rid of some of the guys, you know, back to, you know, what you guys were saying about the, the, you know, kind of just beyond the peak of the bell curve. Like, I think that we're there with Kamara. I think we're there with Dalvin cook. I think we're there with Christian McCaffrey. We've been past there for a while with Ezekiel Elliott and people are just now starting to catch on. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, there's, there are a handful of other guys uh, that if, if we're not there, we're getting close, you know? Yeah, no, I, and, no, I agree. And, and it, it makes it really tough to figure out some of these running back situations. Who are, who are some guys that you want to invest in? You know, it, it, now's a good time to do it. And the problem is, you know, Devin Singletary seems to be one of the safe guys who doesn't have a whole lot of of value, uh, despite the fact that he is in, you know, fairly rarefied air in terms of job security. So it's like, I, I guess I would hold him for that reason. I'm with you on the fact that I don't buy it. I don't buy it either. I just think you're going to get better value if you hold him into next season and then try to make I mean, you move. just wait. Like, yeah. Like I think Max' point is waiting right after the draft because most people are begging. Yeah. A lot of the guys that I trust or, or you know that I respect in this space, a lot of them are begging Buffalo to take one of these top backs. And when they don't, so they have a lot. Of, they have a larger voice, far larger voice than what Hopper and I do. And when they don't, because because they're smart and they won't, mm-hmm. then that value is going to bump up because they're going to see Zach Moss and Matt Breida with Breida's probably gone. They'll see. Zach Moss and insert some other shitty backup to go alongside with them. And then they're going to go look at here. No yeah. fool's goal to get. I mean, it, it could it pay off. Sure. It's exactly what happened with Gaskin last year. <laughs> yeah. Mike Davis. <laughs> yeah. Which, you know, you have, you know, a uh, two opposite spectrum, not two opposite, but you know, you know, mm-hmm. you know, same spectrum. Yeah. All right, John, who's your old? I don't have one written down. There you um, go. Devin Singletary. Devin Singletary. <laughs> Great piggyback. Love it. Off the top of my head, I'm going to say uh, uh, J- Zach Wilson. There you go. Um, is, a, is a hold for me. Actually, Zach Wilson and Elijah Moore. Um, oh, are God. Both, Elijah both Moore. Can... Oh. Elijah Moore is definitely old. Zach Wilson, He's Drew Locke 2.0. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he it, man, I loved Zach Wilson going into into the draft, and I don't know, you know, kind of back to your point, Hopper, on on Singletary about people kind of missed the late season breakout, right? Because they didn't care anymore. He, I think we we kind of saw that with Zach Wilson too. He started did. running the football. It was great. He, yeah. he the production the, went up. The last five games, he had no picks. He showed he could use his legs. It was, yeah. you know, not necessarily overall inspiring, but I think uh, Miguel Chapton pointed out, yeah. you know, he was doing uh, QB AYA all season and that Zach yeah. Wilson was like two steps forward, one step back, but it was just kind of a gradual improvement all season, which is what you want to see. Not everybody's going to come in and light up the league right away, especially at quarterback on a, 
you know, dysfunctional team with a new staff that's trying to implement culture and implement a bunch of changes around it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, second year in the system uh, with a full off season in between uh, Elijah, uh, you know, he'll have Elijah Moore healthy. He'll have Corey Davis healthy. Uh, there's and there's a uh, there's a potential that they even add another wide receiver in a pretty deep rookie class. Oh, you know, the, the outside receivers that could be paired with Elijah Moore. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I was probably the lowest on Wilson. I'm assuming, you know, between Hopper and I was and probably, between well, you know, myself, we, you John. know that because we had yeah. Wilson and Fields right next to each other and we just argued about it like we were Argued. Miles apart. <laughs> well, Wilson did what I expected him to do was I struggle against any competition because he didn't face any in college. So and and, and, and that gets compounded by playing in New York. Fields did what I expected markets. him to do, which is show some of the same flaws that he showed in college. I mean, yeah, yeah, I mean, it. Not, not everybody can be Justin fucking Herbert. Right. Like we we've been spoiled. That's the problem. We've been spoiled. We have been spoiled. And when you get spoiled, you you lose sight of things like, you know, gradual upward trends. And yeah. I, he's I, been he's kind of my low key buy and the other thing I'll say about Wilson. I'm not getting him in you know in single QB, but in Superflex, Wilson can it's yeah. dirt, it's cheap. Well, yeah. I mean it is a super flex, dude. Um, one, <laughs> yes, sir. one thing I will say about, uh, Zach Wilson also that I don't think can be understated. And I talked about this when they brought him in. When you bring a young quarterback into the league, it's not only important to have, it's important to have a good infrastructure around them not just from the coaching staff, but you know, from the staff of who's the, who are their teammates, who are the backup quarterbacks that are in their ear, who's helping them out. And Zach Wilson really didn't have that at the beginning of the season. And, I don't think it's a negligible point that when he started to show improvement was after the Jets brought Joe Flacco back in. Elites. Yeah. So, you know, I, I think that the Flacco trade was kind of twofold. One, they needed a quarterback from an emergency perspective. But two, I, I, I do think that that kind of aided in, in Zach Wilson's development a little bit and, and helped him to kind of settle down and straighten things out because you know, there was kind of that veteran peer there with him at that point to help out with that. Yeah. Did we get All right, mine? Oh, uh, no, you've got one. I got one. Okay. We'll make, we can do mine quick. Mine's also a wide receiver, rookie wide receiver. Briefly mentioned earlier, Rashad Bateman. Yes. Uh, people are trying to move away from, you know, from the Baltimore uh, passing system narrative from Lamar Jackson. The fact that Bateman was able to carve out a role, missing the first five weeks of the season, coming in into a pretty heavily, you know, top veteran s style receiving room with established talents like Brown and Andrews, and adding a guy like Watkins in, who's a great mentor for a guy like you know Bateman because they'll they'll operate you know in that same role. Bateman was able to carve out that role, get double-digit targets, not only with Lamar Jackson, but with Tyler Huntley. I don't know if he got it with Josh Johnson, but either way, Bateman proved to us that he is talented enough to 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 command targets in a wide receiver room that, that won't change next year because all the starters were healthy throughout the season. Mm-hmm. And not going to miss the early part, not going to miss the most important part of his rookie year, this you know this upcoming year, hopefully you can stay healthy throughout that. Uh, it, it's this one feels like it's an easy hold to make, and it's it 
you know, coming close to a, a buy territory with, with the, with the influx of new receivers coming in and, and the excitement of getting them, you can see guys like Bateman can get lost in this mix and you can get them for probably even decent value for what you paid from what would have cost you in, in drafts last year. So Bateman's an easy, very easy hold for me. Yeah, Bateman did a lot of things that I think I also agree with the hold when you look at the the statistical profile, 65 plus percent catch rate, just over 500 yards, respectable yards per reception after missing five games. Um, you know, he also, one of the biggest thing for, things for me is that he showed an ability to win contested balls and the knock on Bateman coming in was, well, can't separate, can't separate, can't separate. Well, it doesn't matter if you have body positioning and you can win contested catches. It matters to your longevity doesn't matter to your upside necessarily and the profile was also a false narrative too he was a good separator and you know the profile stacks up to that it's a good foundation it's good to build on and you're right he is a hold we've been spoiled we've been spoiled by top end receivers and this mentality that if you're not good you're one you're not going to be good and that's just you know ultimately not the case and i think bateman laid a good foundation you want to see him improve on that in year two absolutely but that's why he's a hold. I mean, and most times people forget just how difficult it is to learn a wide receiver. Like the transition from college to pro is that wide receiver is one of the hardest to make. You know, it's said by so many different guys smarter than me in this space. We'll always highlight to that, that it's very difficult to move on from that. And when you miss key moments in his development in his first year, like he did, and then be able to come in and get respect from the coaches and the for his first game back is more so, you know, to that point that Bateman's role is going to massively increase next year. And that's what you want to wait for. All right. Last category. We'll wrap this up. What is the last category? Breakaway bounce back. It is break breakout or bounce back. Dan, yep. uh, Dan, you just talked. John, we'll start with you on this one. I'll go last. Um, Does it guarantee nobody's taking my guy? <laughs> oh, challenge I, accepted. I kind of doubt anyone's taking my guy either. Uh, oh God, actually, it's, it's all gonna happen. We all have the same guy. The same guy. <laughs> That'd be crazy. That if either of you guys even thought about this guy, I will be thoroughly impressed. Oh my God, who is it? Um, I I'm very intrigued. And actually, Zach Wilson and Elijah Moore would have fit here too. But uh, yeah. the guy I wrote down is Dernish Johnson, okay. who. I think uh right. a, I did not think about that guy. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> Very few people do. Uh, <laughs> um and it, by the way, the answer is not Travis Etienne, it's not JK Dobbins. Those are not going to be bounce back candidates in twenty twenty two. They're gonna be bounce back candidates in twenty twenty three. Uh but yeah, for now, Dearness Dearness Johnson played like uh, you know, a feature back type of, of, uh, of player for the Browns with both Chubb and Hunt hurt. Somebody's going to get, you know, uh, they're, they're going to get an upgrade at running back just by signing or, or trading for whatever it takes. I'm not even sure, uh, for the number three running back on the, just the deepest running back group in the league. So yeah, easily. Yeah. So yeah, to me, Dernish Johnson is uh, going to be in line for a starting job somewhere uh, here in 2022. 
My, I'm on the same boat. It's not about a player that's on a current roster. It, it's it's the expectation that they leave, and that value bump gets improved wherever. All right, Dan's land. breakout is Antonio Brown, is what I just heard. <laughs> <laughs> this is bounce back. Deontay Foreman. Deontay oh, Foreman. Yes. It's oh. it's mine. He already kind of bounced back. I mean, that's the thing, though. It, it's he's not on contract. He or his. He's he's not under contract in this offseason. And he kind of took over for that that late role when Henry went down, when it wasn't, you know, Jeremy McNichols, when it wasn't, you know, Adrian Peterson. It took him a little bit to get going. But you look at what he did towards the end of the year, you look at what he did in his, his total yards production during that time, three games with over 100 total yards, three touchdowns this year. Yes, not involved in the passing game, but you look at a running back that can definitely blow up a running back room, Buffalo, that that could massively improve that and get and, and be able to be a team's new goal line back and be able to get the high value uh, carries in which you want. Yes, you're not getting pass catching volume, which sucks, but performance a great candidate to fit for that if he moves on when he moves on to a new team because I think he will you're going to get someone who's going to compete and, and potentially take over that RB1 spot. Best time to get him is now before, you know, free agency hits and before we get an answer for where he is, you are taking that risk. He's going to Buffalo and just throwing all of our narratives. into. that's what I said. Like, I want him to go to Buffalo. Like that was my first thought was, <laughs> you know, beat out the shit that's there and be the, the rightful goal line back to prevent Josh Allen from taking unnecessary hits that he does. I mean, no one wants to see Josh Allen run design run plays. That's the last thing any of us should want to see. These design three run plays. Stupid. Get the fuck out of here with that. Bring in a guy like Foreman who can handle that. And it, it's that perfect fit. And so, Tennessee would be crazy to let him go. I was as good as he was. Which is my also backup, concern yeah. too is, but I mean, Derek Henry, I mean, he outplayed Henry, not obviously coming back from his own injury, but mm-hmm. I mean, you know, he's a big back with a foot injury, man. I, I get scared of seeing big athletes with foot injuries. Yeah. I'm a big basketball fan. That's why. Like, yeah. that shit, that shit makes me nervous. And like, we may not see the same Derek Henry and maybe Foreman, who, will, who was productive in this offense, if he yeah. stays there, is still a value bump. Even. For sure. And remember, sure. Foreman was like one of everybody's favorite sleepers out of that draft class, and then he tore his Achilles. It took him a while to work back from it, but he never did anything to show that he couldn't produce. He just got hurt. And then when he got his opportunity, when he was finally healthy, he leaves you know, the Colts and, and gets his opportunity with a bad backfield in Tennessee. Mm-hmm. After he goes out, and he becomes you know a high RB2. You know, during your fantasy uh, championship runs, gonna end up in a Kyle Shanahan backfield just to screw with you. God, just just to fuck with Elijah Mitchell, <laughs> truthers, just just to see them wrap their heads around that. Hopper, what's yours? I mean, get we can get out of here. Michael Carter is mine. I like that one. Pegging yeah. him for a breakout. Year one, yeah, he missed time, but he had 964 scrimmage yards while missing time. So just short of a thousand scrimmage, it's pretty good for a rookie on a dysfunctional offense. Fifty-five targets, it's great target volume. Four point three yards per attempt. 
Um, he had some usage in the slot, a good amount of passing work, 41% of routes he participated in. So he's got the receiving floor, um, 12th among backs in yards per reception. So there's some efficiency there. Uh, he's top 20 in yards per touch, 30.1% juke rate. Good for 14th, uh, sixth in yards after catch per reception. So overall, it's a good rookie year. The ability to create for himself in college absolutely translated to the to the NFL. The Jets are using him in a position where he can be successful, getting him involved in space, involved in the passing game. Um, high percentage throws for a guy like Zach Wilson. You get a full year of healthy Michael Carter. You get a back that's going to be over a thousand scrimmage yards easily. Um, and he's not a slouch in the run game either. I know he's only 5'8 and a little bit undersized, but you know, even in college, he showed that he can work between the tackles as well, not just in space as a receiving specialist. 4.3 yards per attempt kind of kind of shows that because that is as a runner. And, and I think that everything in Michael Carter's profile tells me that you know he translated well to the NFL level and that he can continue that climb. If he can give, like, if he can carve himself out to that Deion Lewis type of role, that would, I mean, that's all for it. I don't know if he'll ever be a bell cow. Who is now, which though, is, which right? Is fine, Your top three backs are the only things that are bell cows now. So. Yeah, which is absolutely fine, right? It, yeah. it, it's, it's, if he's going to get the target volume, which is, I mean, which should have been his calling card, which is great that the Jets didn't fuck that up. <laughs> so it, it's, I, I, I'm not a huge Michael Carter stand, but it, that's mainly because of I thought he was getting overvalued in rookie drafts easily, and now that 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 value is kind of gone. Now he's reached a point where he's he seems, you know, rightfully attainable, and he's and he's had breakout games. He had it. He I mean he had it with Zach Wilson. He had it with Joe Flacco. He had it with Mike White. He had it with Josh Johnson. So he he's showing production for multiple starting quarterbacks and, and, and if that offense can, piece, continues to yeah. trend up, it's only going to get better for him too. Yeah. It, it, it's, we'll see how he progresses and grows with, with yeah. Zach Wilson getting there, Elijah Moore and everybody else. You know, it, for somebody a, that said piece. she didn't want to be on camera. I know they keep fucking just, she they just act like they own the place. Or straight walk through on camera. It, it's totally her house. So yeah, she definitely owns the place. No. And that whole Jets offense is just in for a, a big bounce back. And it's so, so crazy to be talking this way about the Jets, but <laughs> like weird, legitimately excited about that whole offense. They take Drake London or, or, or I, I don't know if I want them to take Burks, but if they take London or, or even, uh, you know, another bigger wide receiver to play outside the compliment Elijah Moore, it just mm-hmm. makes yeah. me moist. Just let's go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Big ride receiver out of the draft on one side, Corey Davis on the other side with Elijah Moore in between. Yeah. Yeah. That's and some nice totally tight ends exactly available. could get better. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? It's a good tight end class. Why do I keep hearing? Yeah. And the free agency class is going to be that, that, uh, uh, what was it, 2017 rookie class is available all of a sudden. So, you know, Njoku and OJ Howard. Yeah, man, there's Evan some, Ingram. Man, they're all yeah, gonna be who would have thought all three of them well, <laughs> got a second contract with their original team. And Evan Ingram actually, like, other than the fact that he's on the Giants, everything underlying for Evan Ingram looks really, really good. So Yeah. And he doesn't gets mocked for a strap so much, and it's like, dude, 
His drops aren't even that bad. Your drops are bad. Or, like, you can't drop the football if you're not getting targeted. The guy gets targeted. That's all we care about. Yeah. Yep. So, and he wouldn't even have to move. Yeah, he, yeah. He's saying he literally just stayed in the basement. To Change uniforms. To. Yeah, that's right. Hold on. Let me get my Jets uniform real quick. Yeah. It's twice on camera now for somebody that doesn't want to be on camera. ESP. I don't know what to tell you. That's what happens when you do two-hour shows. That's our show. <laughs> uh, John, tell the people where they can find you because this was probably our best show in a bit because great conversation. Yeah, man, this was it's always fun to catch up with you guys. You're two of my two of my favorite dudes, two of my friends in this community. And uh Bye. next time I'm hosting over on yeah. the Superflex yes, Super Show. Please, let's do it. Buddy. Let's let's do it, man. It's been Which, too long. We can we can get Travis back. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. He he probably doesn't know shit anymore. He's he's, he's quit fantasy. He doesn't pay attention anymore. Probably shaved his beard. We'll just go talk probably disc, smart. But he disc golf. We'll just come over and talk disc golf with him and That's right. He does yeah. disc golf. That's right. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, we'll catch up and uh and talk on the Superflex Super Show, but that's Hell where yeah. you can catch me in the meantime. Uh as Superflex dude on Twitter. I freaking hate Twitter, but uh we're we're there. We have to do it, whatever. It's a, a necessary <laughs> evil for us in this space, unfortunately. It's gotten so worse. It's toxic yeah. as hell, but it's there. Yep. Anyways, it's there. Yeah. But that's where I am. Oh, and uh and I, I rank Superflex Dynasty at dynastyleaguefootball.com and uh even write the occasional article. I just wrote one last week on uh it's Superflex startup ADP with rookie picks for both 2022 and 2023. Wow. Look at you. Yeah. So how many 23 stuff, picks man. went before the first 22 pick? Is it just none? None. No, really? A, well, so it, it it was random 2023 picks because we don't have a way to to call them 101 just That's yet. That's fair. That's fair. Or else I think it would have been a way different situation. But uh, the the 2023 picks didn't come off the board until right around when 2022 pick 1.09 was drafted. That's fucking. Wow. I mean, that's that's wrong, right? That's, I feel like the drop off is about six picks in Superflex, maybe seven. Yeah, yeah. And it just and, feels and so, even then. Oh, right. Yeah, there, there's going to be about three quarterbacks that I'm interested in, and probably two running backs. And even then, if if I if there's any way for me to do it, I would way rather just push everything to 2023. I mean, that's that's been the play. Yeah. That's been that's been the play even since last year. I mean, yeah. I mean, yes, you got Chase. There's a couple target, you know, you know, guys you want to get, especially in Superflex. But then it's push everything to 23. Yep. And just hopefully get Bijan. Hopefully you can get Robinson and Shroud yeah. and and Bryce, Bryce Young Ron if you need and, quarterback. Yeah. yeah. There's, there's Even some monster quarterbacks, running backs are coming in that class, hopefully. Yeah. Well, and even the wide receivers are going to be, yeah. like, it maybe not quite as deep, but they're still going to be better at the top end, right? I mean, and you guys will know this better than me, but that's uh, that's kind of the impression I'm getting is you'd ra- way rather have a shot at Kayshawn Butte than, you know, uh, uh, for sure, Yeah, you know. It feels like receiver. It feels like receiver six this year than twenty three is your quarterback, running back. Yeah, because just just because of the high end QB. Yeah, sure. Yeah, and and like you said, the running backs. So, uh, I, I will. I will just 
piggyback this. I'm going to say nice <laughs> things. Uh, <laughs> That's fair. If you want, the thing I like about about John, other than the fact that he's a great dude and we always have fun talking to him, is that you're not going to get cookie-cutter bullshit takes. He has a no. unique way uh, and a different way than a lot of people uh, of evaluating players and uh, you know evaluating veterans especially, um, being a little more blind to the recency bias than a lot of people. Um, and it's a different perspective and that's one of the reasons he's our favorite people that one of our favorite people to have on, um, is because it's a different perspective. So, you know, if you're looking for not the same take that you're getting 90 other places on Twitter, be sure to check him out because I can guarantee you it's going to be a different perspective than what you're picking up most other places. I appreciate that, man. That means a lot. I got one more question. And I can't believe, I mean, we're not talking NFC, so we I think you know where we're going with this. <laughs> Aaron Rodgers, baby, where are you standing right now? Uh, I still have him ranked. Is he still uh, top five for you? Yeah. Uh, I believe so. You can't quit him. You just no, can't quit him. Actually, I think he, he fell a spot or two. Um, I, I want to say he's quarterback six. So, um. I, and I just did an overhaul of my rankings, and now I already forgot what they look like. But essentially, <laughs> I put you on the spot. I ruined it. Rodgers, so that's like breaking news. Yeah. What I will say, I've got him in the same tier as Josh Allen, Kyler Murray, Dak Prescott, Lamar Jackson. Is Mahomes so, in a tier of its own? Yeah. Yeah. Still Mahomes. Yeah. Mahomes, 101 tier all by himself. Uh, tier break to uh herbert burrow tear break josh allen wow uh and then yeah i don't remember the order from there uh, i think the herbert like burrow a, take is exactly like i an think josh allen exactly not being what i was that, saying yeah yeah i have an yeah. allen in that it's it's very much uh yeah and if we haven't gone two and a half hours i would i, I want to dive into this <laughs> but I mean, we've gotten a longer show this is this is it. I, I like this I've gotten a lot of crap for that one. And and all I'll say, I mean, we're no. splitting hairs at the top end. You are. Yeah. Like, you, you just want an elite quarterback. Like, that's all there is to it. You want someone from those top three tiers. So he's uh, almost, at, I mean, based on where you have him, it's, he's almost selling that point. Like you said, back-to-back QB1, like DQB1 finishes. That's that's the big thing for he's me. He's about to lose his OC, but so. Yeah. The, the the big thing is, you know, it's it's not sustainable. Like quarterback one overall multiple times like in a row, it just just doesn't happen. There's regression coming. It's also a more conservative offense than what Herbert and Burrow have. So it's true. But again, it, it it's 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 minute, but we have to split hairs somehow, and that's I, how I do I it. just had to ask the ball riders. I'm glad we got into Yeah, where he's John still- and Josh Allen ranked. Yeah, he's he's in the same tier as Josh Allen. That's oh, that's that all. Would, <laughs> that's, I, that's I want to see right how like Twitter would tweet. respond to that. Just they fucking hate it. <laughs> John, John, John would just, <laughs> I, I just can't imagine the DMs. How oh, the fuck did you put a thirty-eight-year-old quarterback and he's <laughs> yeah. gonna leave? We're probably gonna go play, you know, Alex Trebek <laughs> and gonna go drink with Joe Rogan. And... He's never won in my Jeopardy <laughs> dynasty rankings. <laughs> yeah. Which is probably, uh, I don't, I don't, I just, I, I can't wait for him to fall off the face of the earth, but that's just more for personal reasons. Honestly, I, I will, 
I'm going to be very happy that he's not playing, you know, you know, the Vikings twice a year, but yeah. I, I, I am going to miss his QB play because when he was, when he was the elite, he was insane. Like the fact that he's going to retire, potentially retire as the MVP in yeah. his age, uh, 38 he's season, which is remarkable. I know. Retired. Yeah, I don't think so. Either. I'm wishful thinking. I think he, I don't. Man, I, I'm so torn on what he wants to do with Green Bay. I, I really am. The only reason I don't have him ranked higher is because there is a non-zero chance that he that he retires. But I would I, mean, I would put him retired up last year too. That's where I'm, that's where I'm at. Since he doesn't want to be in Green Bay. It's gonna be. Yeah. He might retire, and, and with how he Brent lost, Harvitt, and he's gonna come back yeah. age forty. And... <laughs> he's gonna go to the Vikings. <laughs> it's, Oh my God! Just imagine. I I wouldn't know what to do with my. I I I may just quit at that point if that were to happen. I actually like Brett Favre. But I don't like Rogers. So, not you know, you know as a person more so. Brett Favre Plus, wasn't all. No, no, I, I don't like him as a person more either. But I don't know. I just like shitting on Rogers. All right. Anyways. Okay, great. At Beerfield on Twitter. At Beerfield Hop. At Beerfield Thurry. Uh, Beerfield podcast on YouTube. We'll be back next week. We're going to talk NFC Dynasty. Uh, we will have Shane from Dynasty Trades HQ on. If you have not listened to that, that is a going to be a hell of a conversation. We're going to break the uh, records of swear words. Put the kids to bed before Shane that show the happens. Worst. <laughs> Shane is the worst. Shane is the best though too. <laughs> I fucking uh, love Shane. him. Put yeah. the put the kids to bed before that episode's up because you're going to hear more fucks than <laughs> in a Blink One Eighty Two live CD. <laughs> You're going to learn some new swear words, too. We'll end up making a few up. It's going to be more fucks <laughs> and limp biscuits, break stuff. Uh, take care, guys. See ya. Mm-hmm.